Hello and welcome to Grapple Spotlight here on the Grapple Network. I'm here with JP. Hello. You alright? Yeah, not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, doing good, doing good. Pretty knackered, just we played football. It is. It's been a big week for football in this country. There's well, been a lot going on with that, and you've decided to celebrate. But are you wearing a Boca Juniors top? I'm wearing a Boca Juniors top, yeah, with Raquel May on the back. That's very hipsterish. I swapped it with an Argentinian student I once saw. I swapped a, it wasn't even my shirt, 2006 World Cup shirt, England shirt, mm. with Rooney 9 on the back, not even Rooney 10. One of my housemates um, put a considerable amount of weight on during the time we were living together. And uh, this kid wanted an England shirt, didn't fit him anymore. I took his England shirt, swapped it for this lovely pocket juniors shirt. I think I got the better end of that deal. That's a cracking deal. Yeah, well, some right. football shirts. I've got Panathinaikos one in there, a couple of Turkish, hooky Turkish ones. But that, that is, that's an authentic one. It's a proper pocket shirt with, uh, <sighs> with Raquel May 10 on the back. What a player he was. He was. He missed um, penalty against Arsenal. I remember, but it wide. Yeah, Champions League semi final. That was it. Yeah. Yep. 2006. I yeah, went absolutely ballistic that day. Rather like I did on Thursday. And I'll get this one out of the way because it gets lost in the football chat of the week of uh, a Barry Yang scoring a hat trick and Arsenal getting through the Europa League final. How are you feeling about you going to uh, Azerbaijan for the Europa League oh, final? Have you heard about the journey? I have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like one flight a week to Baku. I think the nearest, the easiest way is via Istanbul. That, Fucking ridiculous. Aren't they going to start chartering flights with, with like £950 cost per person for yep. the flights? Yep, there is. And they've got um, 6,000 tickets in a 67,000-seater stadium. 6,000 each. That is shocking, isn't it? That is beyond bad. Yeah, it's football politics. It's fucking disgusting. Oh, it's awful. And it's just never going to change, is it? No, God, no. It's, it's been that way since the time. Have you ever watched any of that FIFA film that came out a few years ago? Oh, the ago? one with um, Billy Bob, Tim Roth's in it. Is Billy Bob for one in it? Am I getting that wrong? No, he's not in it. It's Tim Roth. Tim Roth's in it, isn't he? Yeah, he plays um, Set Blatter. Have you seen it? I've seen little bits of it. I've seen clips. I've not seen the full film. It's, it looks like the most... It made no money. And it cost like twenty-two million. Jared Depardieu's there. Yeah, Jules. I saw. And Jules Remy. No, he's not Jules. Remy. Who is in it? Is he Wow Havalange. No, that's played by Sam Neill. What? Wow <laughs> Havalange. <laughs> An Aussie doing a Brazilian. Act. It's just fucking mental. I saw Sam Neill once having a swim in LA. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Carry on. <laughs> but yeah, um, because this week. There's obviously been loads of good wrestling on, but I have to say this has possibly been, and we're a bit late to the party on this, one of the craziest football weeks as well to watch. When was the last time you watched four games in four days outside of like a World Cup? Four full games, it's been a while. Yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah. Probably when I was living in a shared house and had less responsibilities and all of my housemates, or most of them like football, so we had everything, so we didn't have to worry about Mm. shitty illegal streams and trying to find like ways of getting around watching football without paying too much money for it (laughs) let's just say but yeah I was on I'll be honest I'm not a not Spurs fan got a soft spot for Spurs not a Liverpool fan got a massive soft spot for Liverpool 
that Wednesday game, the Spurs game, I was on the floor. I was pounding the floor, shouting, oh my God. And I kind of lost control of my body for a little bit there. It was, uh, to watch Pochettino at the end as well there, it was, it was emotional. It was properly emotional. And as a Saints fan, and Pochettino as an ex-Saints manager, I kind of loved seeing that progression as well. And knowing that there are quite a few ex-Saints players playing in that Champions League final. And we had loads across the semi-final. Well happy with that. You it's see, a shame about all those Saints players that went to Arsenal and their careers went yeah, nowhere. Yeah, we got the shitty end of the stick on that. Well, it took Oxlade Chamberlain going to, going to Liverpool to actually I know. get his shit together. I know, you know, I know. We got Callum Chambers coming back from loan. We've got, our, I mean, but for me, this is a bit of a nightmare scenario. So I'm from North London, but actually born in Tottenham. So Spurs winning the Champions League is. It's just going to be grief. Although the, the issue is with this sort of stuff, if you grow up in, you know, with two football clubs so close to each other, you, you it's like in Liverpool, you're going to have half your family that are Spurs, half it, Arsenal, rather like Everton, Liverpool. So it means I've got to deal with a lot of grief for my sister. I and bet she was having an out-of-body experience. She's in the stand. She was going fucking batshit. <laughs> Absolutely batshit texting. And she's like, her job requires her to be kind of on it. And she was just like taking a bit of time, basically watching it at a desk. Good honour. Yeah. I remember when I worked in America and the, I was watching the Liverpool Arsenal four all game at work. Do you remember that one? The Arshavin four goals. Oh, I was like, I shouldn't have been watching it, but I was reacting at various <laughs> points. But my boss seemed to get it. He, he had a sauce for football, he was half Croatian. Uh, his parents were Dynamo Zagreb fans, and he was like, "Ah, fair enough. You're a big football soccer fan. Carry on." Like, but we couldn't get away watching football at work now. Although World Cup got a few cheeky games at work. Oh People yeah, we weren't looking. Probably shouldn't admit that on air, but <laughs> hey, don't grass us up. Um, anyway, yes. I've topped off a great week of football by playing football and scored four goals tonight, mate. So yeah, I did an Abami. You're buzzing, aren't you? Went one better. <laughs> that, that's your yeah, new golden boot winner off oh, like long Tuesday way, night long way off that I tell you <laughs> long way off that this shirt inspired me but just to go into what we're going to go over tonight mm-hmm. I think the first one we're going to talk about is the news of the ITV TV deal well not TV deal but the fact that ITV are going to be broadcasting Double or Nothing and the deal with AEW as you can hear Benno isn't with us tonight He's going to join us for our next episode. Um, And just to go over one more thing, we won't be reviewing Super Strong Star 16 Mm. because two days of Super Strong Star 16 have been released so far. So Mm. that tournament will soon be... And the second one is today at time of recording. Yeah, so that tournament will soon be in irrelevance. Um, (laughs) Progress really aren't thinking through their strategy when it comes to this. That TLC match which just came out just in the middle of WrestleMania weekend, why not, you know, when there's all that other content on that weekend to watch and... Mm. This hot tournament with they came off that we were raving about. Let's just not rush to get that one out. Let's mm. just take our time on it. So yeah, progress doing well again and being as stubborn as ever when it comes to releases. So I think what, it's because we've obviously been at WXW and we've seen the kind of how they've managed to do the turnaround of yeah. sixteen carat in that period of time. We sort of see them literally go off. You know, they're they're live editing, they're live mixing, and they're managing to kind of get edits up in. German and in English. Yeah. At that time, get the sound mixed as well. All these kind of things. Then deal with the copyright stuff with the music. 
that's like all of that is a is a minefield and they do it and they do it brilliantly and there's an understanding of how the tournament was the talk of that weekend mm-hmm. and how that buzz will quickly fade away and move on to the next thing because what happens in wrestling at the moment just moves on so quickly mm. um but progress don't seem to want to embrace and, that it's still 2013 in their minds and i think as well with this uh, i mean We'd be doing it a real disservice because obviously we heard stuff. I'm not going to spoil anything on here, but I mean, it seemed like a tournament you had to see the three days of it, given the way the stories went, given the way the matches in the tournament went. So, day one, which I'd, I'd heard generally, it was it was okay. It was a first. It was like kind of a first day of a tournament where things are kind of getting set up, but not lots of stuff necessarily to kind of rush to see. But then I was thinking, well, I'm going to have to see that, and then. The, only day two's only come out today, and that's clocks in at four hours. So, gonna need to make time to see that as well. And then, obviously, you've got the third one, so it just makes sense to kind of spend our time just reviewing the three of them and, and then being able to see where the landscape is with progress at that point in time. Yeah, and I think we'll do it with Benno's back as well. Exactly. Um, he'll be watching them this week at some point, I'm sure, when we get some time. But wow, what a week it's been! I, can't say I've watched much wrestling mm. in the last week because of just how much football has taken up my time. And then I seem to be watching punditry afterwards and reactions. So, a bit of busy time. But, JP, have you managed to get anything in at all? I know there was a match you wanted to talk about that you watched today. Oh, um, the Tom uh, the Tom McGee versus Bret Hart documentary. Um, yeah, I put a call out for a few things, to, um, just a few topics for us to go through. Hopefully, we'll get through through most of them tonight. But one of them was a documentary that was on the WWE Network with the sort of much, they call it the Holy Grail wrestling's most sort of lost infamous match. Uh, Mega Man, Tom McGee and Bret Hart. And I, I'm trying to, I was talking to you earlier on about where's the first place you heard of it? Was it, I'm assuming it was Dave Meltzer. Yeah, but where, where do I hear of all of Meltzer this Meltzer possibly Power Slam, it might well have been mentioned. I wasn't that, a Power you? Slam reader. Oh, okay. Um, so... This is something that kind of has relied on sort of Meltzer, but also was it Colt Cabana who covered it with Meltzer? Yeah, they the did a art uh, wrestling podcast. Yeah, I remember listening to that. But I can't remember what year that was, mm. but I think that's probably the first place I ever heard of it. Yeah, and and they're two of the people who aren't unfortunately on the documentary, which would which would kind of help for it. But would say go well out of your way to watch this as a piece of as mainly actually for the documentary as much as anything else. The match is perfectly fine. I'm a big Bret Hart fan. Grew up like a Bret Hart fan. And I tell you one thing I love about him is headbutts. The way he stomps his feet. It's like it's a really safe headbutt. Grabs the hair, just manages to stomp the feet and it looks like such a great effect on it. Anyway, digress. He has this match with, with Tom McGee that's perfectly fine, but by modern standards, it's it's nothing. But you've seen 19, what, 1986 WWF? Yeah, yeah. It's not fun. Not a fun place to be generally is it um so uh like in terms of good matches he was doing like backflips and stuff he does a backflip out of the corner and the rest of it and the crowd are kind of really getting into this and Hart's great he and on the documentary he says about basically i said to him what three moves are you good at okay everything else you follow my lead and you follow it to the letter and involved not doing any punches or kicks and he'd been training in the dungeon as well so there's a kind of nice backstory with like McGee, who you eventually get to see, and he doesn't look. I mean, he's lost sort of what it looks like. He's lost all of the muscle mass and stuff that's there. I mean, he must but, be an old man now. Yeah, he is. Yeah, 
Um, he was like second in the world's strongest man. Bill Kazmaier won that year. What year was this? Oh, it would have been early 80s. That's a proper contest, can you think that of, one. Can eh? you think of another one? Another, a, a very famous British... Uh, world's strongest man? World, like he was a world's strongest man contender. I don't know if he won it. Was he on Gladiators or something? No. Jeff Capes. I don't know who that is, mate. You don't know? No, Jesus no Christ, so many. Jeff Capes was fourth. Just looked like a big sort of... Ah, it's big lad, big lad, big beard, lifted up shit, chucked it around the place. Sounds like Tank Abbott. Yeah, imagine like sort of a British Lou Ferrigno. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty much him. So, um... Me and my bodybuilders, it's not, it's, I've it's always not, found bodybuilding fucking weird. Do you ever watch WBF? I've seen clips and just thought to myself, it. this is Vince, well, Vince McMahon's really sat in his chair yeah. wanking to this. <laughs> His own personal trip through, uh, well, it's probably like his own closest ever get to adventure into pornography, I suppose, <laughs> isn't it? It's awful. It's, I mean, it's, I'm just watching it going, I don't get this. I don't understand. This. I always thought bodybuilding in that sense. Uh, look at those weird. muscles. Look at those pythons. He's a fucking freak, that bloke. Um, but, anyway, I don't know where I'm going with that. But yeah, he finished second in that. Jeff, Jeff Capes finished fourth on that one. But it, it kind of goes through the backstory of. McGee and how that he was under contract for years. I saw a match of his that he was in Japan and it wasn't the famous shit one where he's up like against a famous sumo wrestler and he was just like I was like yeah he had muscles and blonde hair and he looked a bit like Kenny Omega but nothing sort of completely inconspicuous but it's a, like a nice little moment in history documentary so when you're watching it it feels as honest as they're going to be because it isn't something that it seems like they're particularly interested in outside of trying to stop Starcast from having it, <laughs> which means that because Starcast don't have it, it's like, okay, we've got, we've got to make something of this to kind of show it had value and that's why we got it from you. So they've made this documentary, which is actually quite good and well worth seeing, but that's predominantly because, it's you know, I was into tape trading. So if you were, if you were aware of tape trading and you were kind of one of those people who are reading newsletters at that point in time it kind of plays entirely to what we think about wrestling and it just plays into the greatness that is Bret Hart I love the fact that they got so paranoid about another company using this and doing something based around this but they decided to commission a documentary and show the match as a result of it like uh, they are incredibly paranoid aren't they oh deeply more so than ever at this point in time like they, and, and what is the value and worth i mean it, in some ways it's better they had it because of this documentary oh, kind yeah. of is something that actually will stand the best test of time and almost it's their footage it as is well. their footage yeah i get it yeah i, I get it and their documentaries, when it's a documentary that isn't reinventing the wheel mm. and giving us this kind of I don't revisionist know, history, yeah, 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 like their documentaries are good and they've got some really, some really good editors in there, especially I think. Yeah, um, we can whip someone up really fast. And this was the guy who does the Joey Janela, um, yes, videos that was behind this as well, yeah. apparently, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, shout out to Martin Bentley for sending that across to me. I didn't realise that, but the Janela videos are well worth seeing. Um, online as uh, if you ever get a chance to see those it's just sort of it, there's a kind of honest feel to it it's not fly on the wall obviously in terms of the aesthetic but it's as real as they're ever going to be because it's not involved in the people who are kind of in the main hierarchy kind of happily slips under the radar I just find it quite interesting that WWE hired a freelancer 
to mm. put this together quickly. I don't know how they commission their documentaries mm. usually, but I don't know if they go down this route. I've never heard did of this really, really quickly before. Yeah, yeah, quick turnaround. Yeah, but I just find it quite interesting that it's the guy that does Janella's stuff. Mm. And like, how did they recruit this guy? How do they know about this guy? Have they been maybe trying to pick up some uh, some some of the sort of creative minds? Mm that are putting these great videos together in the indies as well. Is that maybe the next direction they go in? Oh. Do they try? <laughs> yeah. You know where I'm going with oh. this. Are OTT going to be stripped of Mate, great video content sometime soon? It's still putting lipstick on a pig, ultimately. You can make the best promo and hype videos. But ultimately, if you have like they had on Raw and you've got Baron Corbin beating Ricochet, which I'm assuming you didn't even wasn't even aware it was a match. Oh, that did that place. happen yet? Yesterday. That happened yesterday. That was a, one of the matches. Was it in London? Were they? I have no idea. In? Mate. Oh, fuck knows. I, don't, I can't pay any interest to it. I know they're in the UK. I was like, an Ireland. I was like, yeah, fine, whatever. I saw Walter was facing our truth last night. Yes. Well, I. I want to see it. I won't lie. I'm very curious to see how that went. I'd love to think Strong Style Walter turned up for that. I don't think it would have been taped. It was in Bournemouth. Is this going to become like the new Tom McGee, Bret Hart match? No, it's not. Let's maybe just move on. (laughs) So, uh, I think one of the main topics we wanted to discuss was the AEW Double or Nothing Mm. deal with ITV. The fact that it's going to be airing on Sky Box Office. Sorry, Sky Box Office. Slip of the tongue. I'm kind of used to saying Box Office with Sky at the moment. Yeah, exactly. That branding's got to you, mate. It has, yeah, clearly. Think about it. 20 years of that branding stuck in the head. ITV Box Office, and we've got the first hour, the build-up show, airing on ITV4. So Mm. Kip Sabian is going to have a match airing live on ITV4. Yeah. Fair play to him. And what will probably be the biggest live televised wrestling match for I mean because none of the ITV World of Sports stuff was actually live so it'd be for quite some time wouldn't it probably since Channel 4 broadcast Vengeance yes. 2001 yes that would that would be it wouldn't it <laughs> which was I know ITV4 mm. isn't terrestrial it's Freeview but let's be honest at this point who doesn't have Freeview it seems to you know become yeah. a standard on every TV so this is kind of how would you explain to people who aren't in the UK then in terms of where ITV um, is basic cable yeah basic cable would be the best way to describe mm. it and ITV I'm sure most of our listeners are, well most of our listeners are British but is kind of the second biggest broadcaster biggest is, commercial broadcaster yeah biggest commercial broadcaster definitely with Sky probably coming just after that as well mm. um, I think this is a great deal and it's something I'm actually really excited for mm. What are your thoughts on this deal generally? I think it's a great deal. I think it's a great deal for them. And it looks, it's hard not to think. I mean, as a test run, worst comes to the worst, right? They run it, they don't like it. It's a test run for them possibly to go somewhere else then within the UK if somebody's willing to give them the chance. That's the worst case scenario in terms of it. It just doesn't work for whatever reason in terms of ratings. I, I'm confident. What ratings? But, like, we've had a look at some of their yes. ratings. What ratings are they doing at midnight on a Saturday night? Well, that's it. You having a look. I mean, they're, they're, what's the primetime stuff that they do? What's the number for that? So, when I was looking through ITV4, so <clears throat> looking over the top 10 of the last week or so, number one was the motorbike show, and they do 349,000 viewers for that. Okay, okay. so that's, that was 2.1% of the viewing audience at that point in time, right? I don't think that's a number to be ashamed of by any means. 
the set. In a multi, in a saturated TV market, yeah. where a lot of people have cut the cord. There's a lot to be said about exactly. That. Let's just think about it in context and think about what three sport shows are doing. Rev Pro is doing what six thousand, seven thousand three sport. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it says it all about the reach of an ITV four. You know, it's it's kind of high up in the free view numbers as well. It's a mm-hmm. recognisable brand. It's kind of the the lads' channel, if anything, isn't it? You got ITV two, older is, lads' channel. Yeah, what my, the dads' channel. without without yeah the dads' channel without rude stuff on it basically. So it's kind of like the men and motors of its day. Yeah. Just with, like, lad films. It is, basically, yeah. yeah. Like, looking through here, I'm looking at motorbikes, bikes, because they've got Tour de Yorkshire Live. Didn't yeah. even know that was a thing. Uh, repeat to Bond <laughs> films, because Honor Majesty's Secret Service did uh, the second highest rating for the week. A lot of George Lazenby fans out there. <laughs> uh, and Rambo First Blood... Came in at sick for the week. He's very much the hipster's favourite Bond, Lazenby, isn't he? Absolutely. Uh, Coogan's Bluff, a classic with uh, Clint Eastwood, directed by Don Siegel at number seven. And we've got two Death Wish films in there as well. Death Wish 4, The Crackdown, and Jeez. Death Wish 3. So a lot of men out there who like their vigilantes and just want to go on a secret killing spree. So My mum, big Charles Bronson fan. She really did. Oh, she loves Death Wish, like one and two. My dad I, likes. I don't Death know if Bronson. I've seen three and four. I'm curious. I've seen bits when they've been on ITV4. Is it Bronson again? Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Just beating is. the shit out of people, basically. Yeah, well, Death Wish murdering them. Death Wish Four is like old Bronson as well, and it's Michael Winner. He carried on directed it throughout. Oh God. The man from the Churchill car advert, yes. we might know him as. So, ITV4 in terms of an audience. Is very much an audience geared towards males. Oh, yeah. I don't see a lot of content here for females. It's interesting how ITV's operation sort of works. You've obviously got ITV1, which is the commercial station. Mm-hmm. ITV2, which is kind of the spillover after sort of hours station. It skews of, heavily young females it in does, terms of a lot the, of the yeah, spin-off from the commercial stuff. But what they did is they created ITVB. Mm. to get more of the female audience. Oh, okay. And that's where they put all those shite Real Housewife programs that my girlfriend watches. Yeah. And Towie moved from ITV2 to ITVB. So they sort of recreated ITV2 a little bit and just made it kind of like a secondary ITV channel that just kind of does similar programming to ITV. I think it does stuff like Celebrity Juice as well. I think that's one of their main programs on there. Yeah. But they're very much gender-based when you get... Uh, yeah. sort of to the rubbish channels. ITV3 as well, your favourite channel, ITV3. What would you describe that as? Oh, I'm trying to think of what's on ITV3. Give Mate, us a... repeats of Midsummer Murders. Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, it is, it's that channel. The uh, Heartbeat. Heartbeat, the my Royal. mum's channel. Yep. Yep. It's basically a reminder of the stuff I was forced to watch before I could actually kind of gain control of the TV remote. <laughs> Bally like... Kiss Angel, Peak Practice. All the all the classic Sunday hour long dramas, Morse. That's a big hit on it there. Was, it reminds me of stuff on a Sunday's rather like Songs of Praise, where you're just thinking about the homework you haven't done. Do you know what it doing is? on Monday morning? It's middle class on repeat. It is. Yeah, load of shite. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> ITV4 I think is kind of the ideal channel for this. Mm-hmm. To be honest, it's where they put this a lot of their sporting output out there as well. Yeah. Obviously, we've seen on there, there's motorsport, there's cycling, there's darts when they have the World Cup of Darts as well. Is it the World Cup of Darts or World Series of Darts? I think there is one of the darts events that they have, yeah. certainly did have. Um, La Liga highlights yeah, as well on are on there, which I know was a pickup from 11 sports and the collapse of that. So it's... 
it's as a place to be, it's I'm with you on that. Interesting look at it as well, because going through the ratings for the month, which is what was, or the week uh, in April that I was looking at, <coughs> the Saturday night slot, 11 uh, sort of onwards, uh, was The Expendables, and that was 19th for the week. And that got 156,000 viewers. Okay. Now, if in a similar time slot, um, AEW do 100,000, mm. half of that even, I think that's got to be considered some form of a success to some yeah. degree. For something that hasn't got like hasn't got any let's say status within the UK outside yeah. of outside of wrestling fans, but not in any way towards the mainstream. Now, I think the thing is as well, you got to think Saturday night, midnight. Okay. Yeah. Let's think about what people might be doing Saturday night around midnight. Getting in from the pub. Yes. I know back in the day when you were getting in from the pub, it was Men and Motors and Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> and live TV. Yeah. Don't get out. Oh, oh, yeah. I forgot yeah. about that one. Topless darts. Topless darts. But these days, there's a different. Uh, people can access that in different ways, <laughs> let's just say. So people might be flicking through, coming to ITV4. Mm. finding a bit of AEW on and thinking, ah, oh, a bit of wrestling. I'll have a little watch of this. What's going on here then? Mm. And it might be a hook. There might be some curiosity buys as a result of that as well. Well, part of the hook is good. the fact it's going to have good production values. Absolutely. That's going to be the thing. It's not going to look like if you were, with all due respect, clicking onto Fight Network and seeing, I, I don't know, IPW, um, where it, it looks like independent wrestling. This looks like big mainstream stuff. You're going to have a sold out. Is it MGM Grand they're running in, in Vegas? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that for just the aesthetic for people flicking through, and I think it's one of the things that I know the flicking through thing might be built up, but generally the EPG where you are on that, it matters so much. It even matters if you're in the sports category for this. Um, like part of the irony, we were talking to Will Cooling about this on Friday. You have to order ITV box office through Sky. Like to a degree, I think Sky. I don't know quite how it works, but they're actually part of the the hosting of it. Okay, that's interesting because I I don't have Sky, mm. but I just assume could easily be long, and I'm happy happy to be corrected on that. Well, I've got a Nail TV box. I've got a UV box. I just assumed I'd be able to order it. Via you are, but one I think now is Sky's got an interest in that. Well, now is kind of in partnership with Sky, yeah. so all the Sky programming. Mm goes on to Now TV, mm-hmm. and I sometimes have occasionally bought Sky Sports day passes when there's been a couple of football matches on a day I want to watch as well. You can well. also order it through like PS4 and stuff. I mean, there's lots of... I'll, be, I'll look into it more for next week. Yeah. For how, you know, the technicalities of that, because there's a lot of other stuff to kind of really take into consideration for this. And I think one of the biggest things about it is the idea of it being on the box office, It's it's stuff that it's under the sports division. It's not like World of Sport, which is under entertainment. And that is a massive, massive thing because it affects how it is treated by executives. Absolutely. It, this means you're not going to end up in the situation where a, a, a network for afternoon program, uh, a network, somebody who's arranging what's on afternoons on a Saturday is looking at World of Sport and doesn't like the idea of strikes happening in case kids reenact it. For various reasons, I think they need to sense that out, which is a bit difficult to do for wrestling. Let's face it. Where a sport, funny enough, you can have the Six Nations on at the same time slot on a Saturday afternoon and see real aggression and kind of violence that can come along with that. I mean, I'm, I'm a big rugby fan, so I'm all right with that stuff. So first of all, you've got necessary how it's going to be dealt with. That's that's going to be interesting. 
the idea of cross-promoting it with these other sports, I mean, it is one of the things that they are very, you know, this becomes effectively an ITV property. There's a vested interest in them making sure that people pick up buys. And so around that, around the time later in the year, potentially if it's, if um, the TV programme ends up coming on to ITV4, they're going to be able to use things like the Rugby World Cup down the line. But for the time being, they're going to put up banners and stuff like this for all these other sports. They're going to have commentators mentioning it across uh, other sports that's going on. Got I, potentially England games. ITV are quite good at cross-promotion as well. Yeah. They're always pushing their other sport programmes on the various sport programmes. So mm-hmm. at the end of their football coverage, you always notice they will look at what other sport is coming up on ITV mm-hmm. as well. And often in little boxes on the side of games, football matches as well, you might see a little advert that pops up. Yeah. I, I remember mean, seeing one, for, I think it was Groves Eubank Jr. Yeah. That yeah, came yeah, yeah. up, and then it, it sort of came. Up. These are small little graphics, but these are all things about raising awareness. Ah, oh, Clive Tildesley used to love mentioning other sport sporting events that were going on. It's often F one he would mention. Like I'm not going to lie, I used to couldn't stand Clive Tildesley and Andy Townsend together as a commentary yeah. duo. Townsend, They've come a long way since the tactics truck, though. ITV. Ah, oh, Townsend and his tactics truck on the oh, Premiership with Des Lynham. Didn't feel right, that did it? No, wrong on every level. It felt like when Cindy Beale went to Coronation I, Street and had a had a northern accent. But I think that mm. there's, this is encouraging. I think it's really encouraging. It is. It is really encouraging. I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff I'd like to say about ITV in the past. I'm still not over that they don't make dramas the likes of which like Cracker and stuff like that. I never watched Broadchurch. Wasn't that Channel Four? No, that was ITV Cracker. It was in. Well, I thought it was. It was a ch- ITV. I've, I've never seen it. I was a bit young. So, I'm almost yeah, slightly surprised at the idea that ITV would make Cracker. Yeah, they fucking did. I mean, he used to make some brilliant stuff. I'd say World in Action and the Cook Report. I still miss that. Um, but the stuff that they're doing, it's interesting also, because we mentioned WWE earlier on. They were trying to court some sort of relationship with ITV for NXT UK, weren't they? I mean, there was rumours about yeah, that. Yeah, I had a few rumours. And that hasn't gone anywhere. And obviously, World of and it's probably about the fact that Again, they're not. It would have been the pay per views. I could see there being sort of potential hold ups. And so, in other words, what's in it for ITV necessarily? Are they going to be able to sort of guarantee big ratings for that? It's. I was also reading about this is part of a general ITV strategy, and it's about something they've got called direct to consumer model. And what they're looking to do is raise about 100 million a year to stop themselves being so reliant on advertising. And primarily, this is done through boxing. So, this, you know, what they want to do is charging, I think they charge $14.95 for this. Their ITV box office pay per views at the moment, and it's difficult to find figures of these being released, they are estimated sort of the top end about 100,000, I would have thought. When they first started out, they're around 85,000. Now, it's not bad at all. It's not bad. That's really good business. And, you know, obviously there's going to be some amounts that are going to be going over to the promoters and the rest of it. And it'd be interesting to see what necessarily the cut for this. But looking at it this way, for, from ITV's end, let's say it draws, I don't know, 15,000, one five. That's would be that would bring in potentially about two hundred and twenty five thousand. And what are the costs of ITV putting this on as well? You know what I mean. That's it. They've got to be minimal. It's it's going to be interesting. I mean, they're not paying for the production. No. So are they it's pa- in their own are they interest. Paying for the programming. Are they like yeah. they are? Is that been confirmed? Well, I, I don't know. 
No, what well, the ITV4 stuff. I'm assuming this is much more of a trial. Yeah. I've seen them do it. That's what I, mean, I don't they know. Paying a, a AEW pay for the slot. I don't think it'll be a time. I don't think so. Days. I think the deal is effectively the pay per view. I think that's the deal. Then now there is a financial interest for ITV for this to do well. The more they promote it, let's assume they're doing six pay per views a year, top, top end. I wouldn't want them to do anything more than that. But if they do that six times a year, you've got a regular amount to come in. And if they're able to kind of build and grow that audience, and hopefully then it relies on the product being good enough that, that there's enough of a kind of turnover for those people to actually pay for the pay per views. They're on to something really good. This, I mean, it's very difficult for me to see at this point, and there's obviously lots of ifs and buts and stuff that we don't have any awareness of. But looking at it, this is something that's really... <clears throat> if I was WWE, I'd be worried. I'd actively be worried about this, because it, I don't think the enthusiasm from Sky is there. Look at those ratings. The fact that most of the content is on the network... That's, that stuff becomes difficult. Where else are they going to ship that to? BT have got UFC, and that appears to be like this. Appear to be a bit more in love with the UFC at the minute, particularly in terms of having much different other content. Yeah, I think when you look at the last couple of European tours as well, um, mm. and you look at the popularity of obviously the British indie scene as well, obviously that appeals to a niche. But you've also got our man Tony Khan at the helm, who lives in London. Yeah, WWE have an office in London. But the Khan name comes with some proper kudos. When you've got yeah. the son of the Fulham owner who has a role at Fulham, someone who is known... Sh- I think, sh- is it Shahid, Shahid Khan? Shahid yeah. Khan. He doesn't come across like a fucking lunatic. That probably helps. <laughs> like, seriously, dealing with him, I imagine he's dealing with a, a, a human being. Whereas McMahon is just like, oh, you can imagine trying to do, but ultimately it does come down to him. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Obviously, I don't know if it would be Vince, you know, negotiating the deals with Sky and all the rest of it. Mm. I don't know if he'd get negotiating to do with that. Obviously, it would come to him ultimately. But at the same time, Shahid Khan has been in the news in this country mm. a reasonable amount when he went to buy Wembley Stadium. Mm. Obviously, the whole Jacksonville Jaguars as well playing at Wembley a, a couple of times and all the rest of it. So there's a name there. There's going to be proper contacts. There's going to be contacts, when you think about it, um, within probably the Premier League. There's mm-hmm. going to be contacts as a result of that um, in various TV channels. There's going to be contacts within that media world that they have access to based on their sports properties. And I think that that's a really positive thing for this, if anything. Mm. So, yeah, let's really hope this kind of works out and let's really hope that everyone's watching this on Saturday the 25th. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's something necessarily that we all need this to work because I mean, the point we've raised so many times, WWE is only going to get better when there is some genuine sense of competition and it forces them to look at how they're doing things and possibly make them. I'll be honest. I don't believe that that product is borderline fucking unwatchable I believe it's unwatchable it is unwatchable (laughs) I believe it's going to get better when someone pops his clogs that's what I believe and I don't think someone wants to have uh, I don't don't think that person wants to be challenged with the way he wants to present wrestling because he's fucking old probably completely knackered and he's also about to go and probably is full time with a bloody football league that he's got a Put together that he's to, going to lose hundreds of millions. On. Yeah, but he's got to try to to prove that he's not a failure, and that he yeah. could one up the doubters and 
those that, you know, led to the XFL's demise last time. But, you know, when you've got that much money and you've got an ego like that, well, (laughs) Trump's in the White House, let's just say. Oh, Jesus, don't. So I don't have as much faith as you do that this is going to give WWE a kick up the arse in terms of its well, creative. Then uh, I think it comes down to, like I say, one man dying. <laughs> it does. We're not advocating necessarily for that death. Yeah. Well, we'll leave that alone. Does my silence speak volumes? <laughs> oh, God. I just fear Stephanie. She has the same kind of belief system. What, what she what he believes is wrestling is pretty much what she has and I, I don't know I, I've much, always feared on that how much of a say would she have at that point no. though and what, where would the roles go would Triple H be entirely in charge of creative and would he oversee it and he's got a track record in NXT and I know NXT is very different but, but who knows it's all purely speculation at this point in time but yeah really positive news I think with mm-hmm. this ITV deal didn't see this coming um, uh, let's hope it's not going to be the disaster world of sport was let's hope it's going to be the pure joy that WCW Saturday night was at 2am oh. in about 1992-93 yeah. happy days yeah. Yeah. staying up all night with Paul Brown I mentioned on this on this show uh, before because everyone knows who he is yeah. but we'll be spending all night watching AEW Double or Nothing yeah. on ITV box office won't we we will we will. And uh, talking about AEW, Double or Nothing, on mm. ITV Box Office. So we plugged that once again. <laughs> fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, we ain't getting any of that. Fuck's sake. They recently announced the full card last couple of days. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on this card at all? Um, we were talking through it. If you look at it as... A, as it's not this... If I looked at this card normally, I think I'd be like, I'm not necessarily too excited by it. I'm going to be brutally honest. There'd be people in there who I'd be like, I'm not too sure. Seems like, you know, you've got your battle royal. But I've got faith in the presentation and how they do this and the fact that they're going to be absolutely going all out. And truth be told, we watched All In together and it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was an easy watch. I love the variety on the card, yeah. especially. And it just felt like a positive celebration of wrestling. And that's a lot of this feels like, in some ways, the things that they're showcasing on this. It's it's kind of reminding you from very good days of WCW bringing in talent from all around the world without being happy to mention we've brought in these people from, um, I don't know, what would be AAA and New Japan back in the day. Here they're bringing in, um, you know, obviously. Uh, I'm trying. To, I'm looking at the six women tag. You got Aja Kong in there, Nemi Sakura. You got the OWE lot as well. Yeah, the Lucha in Brothers, Lipolay. Um, there's Kip interesting Sabian, younger talent. You got Pat. Yeah, coming out of WWE as well. I was thinking about Kip Sabian as well. I mean, there is obviously a vested interest in it working well for him because he's a nice young bloke. Yeah, who, he really if is. you frankly, you could put him on a Good Morning Britain plugging AEW and it wouldn't exactly go down a miss. Well, they put him in fighting in my Would family. Would you have Jimmy Havoc doing it instead? No. <laughs> they put him in fighting in my family and he looked like a complete natural on screen then. He's a good looking bloke. Yep. I can see I can see where his appeal would be. Perhaps yeah, yeah. he could be their Miz. <laughs> perhaps that's what perhaps that's what they got in mind. Possibly. Well, they've got MJF, haven't they? That's a kind but I mean, of... in terms of going on TV and doing mm. a good interview and pushing the brand and having an appeal as a good-looking bloke with a bit of charm as well. Like, did you ever see the Miz on Blue Peter? No. Actually, 
very funny. It was quite about right. ten years ago. Hilarious. Made me laugh. I never so, liked Blue Peter. It was all right. It was You'd just watch on. it. You'd was... get home from school and it's like, here, do some more shit. And I'm like, fuck off. Just got in. Let's cut to the chase. Where's yeah. Neighbours? You didn't want to make Thunderbird Island when Anthea Turner showed you what to do then? I'd watch Anthea Turner back in the day, but I wouldn't be making anything. I'd be like... Uh, would, you, would you then switch to Men and Motors? <laughs> I, I, I think I would have been about 13. I wouldn't know how, Your taste how to got, live. Your taste got darker at a young age. Let's not lie here. <laughs> But let's move away from uh, from Blue Peter. As much as I'd like to talk oh. about John Leslie and Tim Vincent for the next hour. What I would like to say in terms of the matches, there's nothing on here that necessarily says to me it's going to be like a match of the year candidate. But there's know. a lot on the I emotional side. Jericho Omega, I think. Think about I think it'd be spectacular. I, th- I think their last match mm. was incredible. I think it'd be. I don't think I'll be having it. I'd be. Sub- I'd be pleasantly surprised. But okay. I don't see it being in like match of the year. Okay, I think their last match was mm. close to a five-star match. If I was rating on the Grapple app, mm. I might be going three and four and three quarters on that one. So, I don't know. Let's, uh, but then it's good at the same time that I think your expectations aren't that high for it. I'm looking really looking forward to it, but I'm kind of... There's still a lot of people in here that I'm still not too aware of. So there's an element of mystery to this. Yeah, I think that's part of the joy of it. I trust their talent judgment. Perhaps it'll be like watching a World Cup before... We had access to everything out well, there. Well, yeah, it's made you think of sort of like 86 World Cup. Which didn't I have wasn't a clue alive. Oh. <laughs> that was my first World Cup. No one had a fucking clue who they were. And that, that Danish side was definitely one to kind of fall in love with. Danish Dynamo? Yeah, read, yeah, they, yeah. read the book. Beat Spain 6-1, did they? Or? They lost 6-1. Oh, they lost Spain. 6-1. And it wasn't even like a good Spain side. No. It was a Spain side that always went out in the quarters, second round. So it was, it was gutting. Well, me. let's hope, unlike Preb and Elkier in eight, God or anything else. Let's hope, unlike Preb and Elkier in the 86 World Cup, <laughs> these lot turn up at the office mm. when it comes to double or nothing. But I, I, I'm feeling very confident about it. I yeah. Mean, all in delivered on a, in a major, major way in terms of sort of presenting a product that felt completely fresh. This feels to me, again, like it's going to be a bit of a celebration of wrestling or anything. And it just looks like it's going to be quite good fun. I think it's going to be quite upbeat, if anything, yes. as well. And to me, WWE right now is probably like watching the equivalent of watching Man United, whereas this looks like it would be the equivalent of watching Liverpool. And what a joy they are to watch at the moment. So I'm, I'm looking <laughs> forward to Benno won't it. be happy with that one, as much as it may pain him. To... Uh, I don't think Benno's got a great hatred in his heart for no. Liverpool. His brother's a Liverpool fan, you know. I think he's... I think it's he's, just the stick he'll have to put up with. He's pretty level-headed when it comes to it. You know, Rev Pro are based out of Portsmouth, but apparently I'm on their payroll. So <laughs> think about it that way. I think going through the card, some of the matches that have been added to this... Mm. Uh, I gotta say, I'm I'm no excitement for Best Friends versus Angelico and Jack Evans. Like, why, why is that? Well, the card looks <coughs> decent. Like, mm. I, I think Pack will bring it. I think Handman Page has got something to really prove. I think Cody and Dustin will be an emotional epic. But uh, to me, this match, Best Friends against Angelico and Jack Evans, is it 2016? Like. There are more relevant tag teams than Helico and Jack Evans. Like, has Lucha Underground just gone off the air with like a hot audience who are really into fucking Helico? Like, he to me is the kind of real kind of 
negative spark on what looks like a very exciting <laughs> show, if I'm honest. And Jack Evans, yeah, I was a fan of his back mm. in the day in Ring of Honor, but I've no great desire to see Jack Evans in 2019. We saw them at the, was it 2017 DTTI? In Wolverhampton. Oh, yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they did dive off the balcony against yeah, Eddie, Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews. Yeah, and you know what? That was quite a fun match from what I remember. But I just, That's probably I'm, what they're there for. But uh, and you know, Helico. Well, this is the issue, is that Jack Evans, you know what you're getting, which is a bit of mental. But Angelico in the matches I've seen have not been spectacular. He's been working this kind of like kind of much more rest, uh, like technical style and it doesn't suit it doesn't suit how he looks, the it's gimmick really and how dull. he presents himself. And he doesn't and often dull. click with guys as well. I'm hoping they just go more for the sort of mid card comedy route with this one. Well, I and think as well they want tag teams because the Bucks have made a big issue of pushing tag teams. And I think it just adds depth in that division. And that's maybe what they're looking at it as. I don't have a major issue with the best friends really. No, I'm fine with Embuna. And Helico and Evans, I kind of think yeah. really at this point. Beretta's really got something. I mean, I don't probably love Chucky Taylor as much. I mean, I find him very funny. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, that's how I effectively view him for the most part. And he can have good dramatic matches. I think there's much more upside in Beretta, though. Oh, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think he's the the stronger of a two as far as mm. uh, sort of in-ring talent goes. But not a match that I'm massively excited for. But I think it, they'll go more, for more of a comedic route, if anything. Mm-hmm. I think the one that looks a little bit confusing is the Casino Battle Royal with the kind of oh. quite contrived rules yeah. that they've got going for this one where you've got, is it five guys entering every three minutes as a pack or something? Uh, something like that. I think they get split. I don't know. And then I, the I, winner I, I, gets a shot at the title at some point. Yeah. We don't know anything about the title. Well, Sounds a bit Russo booking TNA, doesn't it? Uh, completely. Mm. Completely. Uh, at least it's not reverse. No. No, that's know. true. But it does seem very contrived, if anything. I'm, I'm intrigued the fact that of the some of the people they've got in there and the way that that all-in battle royal, the over-budget battle royal last time was a lot more fun than I expected. So we hadn't... I mean, we watched it and it was like one of the best battle royals I've seen in a long time. It's I remember best, Jordan Grace... the best looking, battle royal I've ever seen. It was... Because battle royals are generally shite. Yeah. Like, they really are. They can be quite fun live, but... You know, for the most part, not great. But there's people in this that I'm interested in, like thinking of Brian Pillman Jr., who's been over here recently. MJF is in there. Joey Janela's in there. Dustin Thomas is in there from from Joey Janela's spring break. I mean, it's going to be fascinating seeing the reaction to that on a bigger stage from people outside of Joey Janela's spring break. How do they react to this? Like, what are they going to make of it when they see it? And you know Janela's going to be doing spots with it as well. Oh, absolutely. And you know he's going to be absolutely loving it. Oh, and He's going to be well up for that. Yeah. And I think there's... I mean, I think the way that you portray is like the way it was at Joe Janela's, it was a positive thing. This guy is like, how the hell is he a professional wrestler with no legs? You can't help but be impressed by that, at the very least. I think the way to think about it... He's good. He's in cracking shape. I think the way to think about this card as well is just how incredibly motivated everyone's going to be. Yeah. Everyone's got something to prove. Even in those main event matches, you know, Omega yeah. has taken massive risks uh, going with this. Jericho is exactly the same. The Bucks have a major interest in the company as mm-hmm. well. It's got to be the biggest match of a Lucha Brothers whole career. Cody and Dustin have wanted this match for years. A huge opportunity for Hangman Page, really, when you look at it. 
in the US, the only other pe- people on this card who have been in matches of this stature are Jericho, Pac, and probably Goldust. I'm not sure mm. you could argue Cody has been the match. Maybe his match with Mysterio at the WrestleMania a few years ago, but really, I'm sure he would consider this the biggest match of his career. Yeah, yeah, I would do. And the biggest uh, night of his career in terms of what this means. So I think you've got a lot of guys in there who are going to be able to prove something. I think Pac needs to prove something. I think he will. I think this will be when he'll bring it, mm. because for me, he's not brought it outside of Japan so far. I saw his Dragon Gate match, which was... It was good. Um, I didn't think it was necessarily as great as, as I'd heard from it. I think I went four stars on it. It was a very good match. But again, it's not what you're... I think the expectations for him are high. It was obviously so high. And there's times where we felt like we've been almost let down by it. Yeah, I felt I felt ripped off. Yeah. I won't lie. Yeah. Um, but so that's... for me, I'm like, if there's... You talk about like Angelico in that. For me, Pac's got to do something. Yeah, I'm sure he will. I'm absolutely sure he will. The only annoying thing is he hasn't lost that Dragon Gate belt yet. And you'd probably want to put Hangman Page over on this show, but I don't know whether that belt's going to cause a complication, but we've got that to look forward to, I guess. Two women's matches on the card as well. One uh, with just Japanese talent as well, which will be interesting. It seems like they're looking to make a splash in terms of breaking new talent, in terms of breaking new styles as well. Proper popularisation of of Joshi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe trying to do what um, ECW did uh, with mm. the, um, the the Michinoku Proof Six Man at yeah. Barely Legal '97, their first pay per view, and the, the first wave of sort of luchadors before they went into WCW. Yeah, so yeah. I think there's a good game plan there as well. Um, we got Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, and Kylie Ray. I can't say that I'm excited for that one if I'm completely honest with you. Again, though, they'll really have something to prove. Exactly. Yeah. So that makes me have some faith in in those guys. A card that I'm really looking forward to. Anything else to add on this one at all? No, not really. I mean, other than the fact that I think that for us in the UK, it's now been made... It's like there's a whole new kind of interest level, I can imagine, from this, from sort of hardcore fans. And that, for me, is it's really hoping, fingers crossed, that this does manage to translate. Just simply because that card you've described on there, it's got stuff from all around the world. It's got different bits of... Of you know, different match types to um, Joshi on ITV. Joshi on ITV. Man, in the nineteen seventies, <laughs> do you think they ever thought when they were broadcasting Curry and Chips and Love Thy Neighbor yeah. and a lot of other racist sitcoms? I'm trying to think of that really racist. Mind your language. That's the one. Yeah. The language school. Oh, I used to use that for representation in lessons. Oh. Great, great teaching resource. I used to use the yeah the in, intro the over the opening credits of the Love Thy Neighbour film is one of the most shocking um, depictions of a, div- of a divided racist society that I've ever seen. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But we've gone from Love Thy Neighbour to Joshi. What the fuck has happened to ITV? It's like ITV's gone woke. It really has. Well, it's just gone, it's just, I think it's just off its meds. As much as anything, they've just got a bit mad. Yeah, Yeah. diversifying. Maybe it's no longer lowest (laughs) common denominator television, or maybe we're just uh, underestimating ourselves because I think wrestling might be considered lowest common denominator television. But hey... I've got faith. I've got faith too. 
I'll be ordering this, and me and JP will be watching this together, won't we? Oh, yeah. And we'll be messaging Benno at the same time. I'm sure we will be, and we'll be back with a full review and report on this show as well. But, yeah, hugely exciting night coming up on May 25th, so can't wait for that one. Moving on from there, a man who is going to be main eventing, double or nothing, Chris Jericho, Mm. turned up in New Japan about a week or so ago now. Yep. Announced that he's going to be facing a Carter, a Dominion, um, second second biggest show of the year for New Japan, really. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you make of this? Do you think this is smart booking? Because Jericho, think about New Japan's logical booking mm-hmm. and where we are with this. Jericho lost his last match in New Japan. He lost a belt. He's turning up here and he's facing a Carter. Do you mm-hmm. think this means he's beating Omega? Ah, uh, um. You think I can he, see him actually being a mega, but that's a sort of not outside of New Japan. But it just it will translate in New Japan, and they'll but be it aware will translate of it. In New the Japan. fans will be aware of it. Yes, and beating the man that Okada lost to at Dominion last year, mm-hmm. there's kind of a story there, isn't there, that you can mm-hmm. kind of interpret and make yourself. Yeah, if anything, and that, there is that's sort of what's led me on to thinking he's got to be beating a mega, and that's why this match will make more sense when we get to it. And I think AEW would be more than happy to see New Japan possibly playing up something that relates into there because oh, I'm praying for that to be the case because ultimately I want that to oh, see that deal I, with them two working together. I pray that at Double or Nothing we get an Okada run-in oh. of some sort and we maybe get a moment of Okada, Omega and Jericho in the ring together. That would be an amazing way to kind of end that show, if anything. <laughs> and then set fire to a Ring of Honor flag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just to finish it off. And maybe uh, Mega Ran can turn up and get a kick up the arse as well. <laughs> I'm still not Tony Khan, as he raises, as Harold Mage raises his hand on stage. Perhaps Tony can do a rap instead of Mega Ran, potentially. I'd like, I'd, I can't see him pulling it off. I'm but... still not over that Madison Square Garden show. <laughs> really are not, are you? Well, that was the last Akada title defence I saw. I didn't bother watching the Okada Sonata yes. defence. I heard from various people that it was dull. Yes. Um, what did you rate on Grapple? I think I went about 3.25. For a 38-minute match? Yeah. Waste of fucking time. It's though. not that it's... Let me see. Let me check that one. Um, it's not that it's... It's not bad, 38, obviously. 30, I don't want 3.25 stars out of 38 well, minutes. Th- you, you want more from a 38-minute <sighs> match. If the first 20 minutes are effectively very dull and the main takeaway I kind of had from watching that period, uh, watching that part of the match was I'm really enjoying the commentary and watching the dyna- listening to the dynamics of the four-man booth. I shouldn't necessarily be thinking about that during this match and having seen it so soon in the New Japan Cup and not really, and, and still being at the point where we're waiting for this great Sonata match that hasn't really happened yet. I think he's had very I, good matches. I think he's had, and I think that's where it is. It's it's all very very good. Do you get excited for his matches though? No, no. I think there's a part of me thinks there's the potential, but I'm also then kind of convinced this won't be the time that I see it. He's also, and it always surprises me whenever I hear it. He's the same age as Okada. Yeah. How, how are they the same age? I don't know. They were kind of building it up, and it's. It, I, I like New Japan for this, but they like building up the career rivals who are roughly the same, you know, same age, different ways to get there and building up. And they built up very heavily on this. I 
felt, and I've been listening to sort of a few different opinions on this as well in terms of the the kind of the um, podcast like the Eastern Lariat um, and Post Pure Wrestling that they've been talking about, that there's this kind of the difference in the booking strategy that's there. Now, I went 3.75, my okay, bad. Okay. Um, but I still, do you need to see it? I'll, I'll ask you that question. I saw the New Japan Cup final. I liked it, but I thought it was Five. a bit overrated. Yeah. Yeah. And You've I, seen it. I'm going to see a more condensed version yeah. of that, so I won't bother. And also, to finish up on that point, you have to, that, like, if the first, if you're bored at the start of a match, that isn't something necessarily you can say, well, but the end of it was, and towards the end, it did get good. But I kind of expected it to. It was a New Japan main event. And it's it'd be nice to see them if they can get away from the long epic nature of some of these big main events and do something that might be 15 minutes but a hell of a sprint yeah I'd like to see something a little bit different yeah. from time to time for sure and to be honest I enjoyed the match that was on before more which was evil Tomohiro Ishii yeah I did as well I watched that one I thought that was a great match I thought it was an Ishii formula match with evil as his dance partner and evil more than kept up with him I thought it was one of the best evil matches I've yes. ever seen Yeah, I can't say I love evil but this was an excellent match, and Evil kind of almost matched Ishii for intensity as well. And I think there was more, there's maybe more of a diversity to Evil than there is Sonada. If you look at them as tag team mm. partners, I think Evil does a little bit more in terms of character that makes <coughs> you kind of invest in a match. Whereas Sonada, I rarely feel like I'm invested in his matches, even though he's very dynamic, mm. he's very explosive. That to me, there's just something missing in terms of an, an emotional connection, if anything. Yeah, and I think that's what he needs to get to a certain point in New Japan. Because think of the emotional connection that is there during big Tanahashi matches, mm. Ibushi matches, Naito matches, Okada matches. It's not there with Sonada. I, I think one of the things I thought when watching this Sonada match was, and especially after seeing Ishii, thinking. Why couldn't you headline this card with Ishii versus Okada? Because he's got a victory over Okada, and I don't think they they wrestled the match since, did they? No, but I think that I think that's something they got to go back to at because some point. I think as a as a match that builds itself, and you know it's going to be great, even though ultimately you're going to be it's going to be heroic defeat for Ishii. I'm more than fine with watching a match like because you God no, imagine no, he imagine have, what he doesn't he, ever win over him. Uh, doesn't he in the G1? You're talking about the New Japan... No, then they faced in the New Japan Cup. Oh, they did, He Sorry. did beat him in the G1, but that was in like yeah. 2016. Yeah, God, no, he might have been before so, that as well. Sorry. a while ago now, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a long way to go back for that one. Um, but thinking of an Ishii Okada match, I'd have I'd be so much more invested in than than watching Sonada again in a quick succession get a title defence, a title challenge after losing his last one very recently. It just kind of doesn't make any sense. And it it does make you wonder on the kind of booking front. And I looked at the Jericho thing as kind of purely a business decision. And it was the idea of they can bring him in, they can have him do this match, they can build it up. It's at Osaka Joe Hall, one of the bigger arenas they're going to be running. It'll work well for them. So, yeah, I mean, there, there are... I'm sort of finding myself getting back more into New Japan I found over the last sort of week and a bit, but there are things like this that makes me worry. I mean, this Akada reign so far. Obviously, this is the, his first two title defenses have been against Sonada, yeah. 
No, one title defence against Sonata. Oh, no, you beat him in the final, didn't you? It's the first title defence against Sonata. That's not an exciting way to kick off your title defence when you consider what his last run was. Yeah, come on, let's not judge it by that. No, like, well you're, ju- you're judging against maybe the greatest title run in yeah. modern history. I so, bloody will do. You know, high expectations there, if anything. I think the thing I was kind of impressed with about the show generally is the fact that it drew basically the same number as it did last year Yeah, when they headlined it with Tanahashi versus Okada. Mm. So it kind of speaks to Sonata's popularity, possibly, or maybe it speaks to the kind of levelling out of the brand and the strength yes. Japan has as a brand more generally if anything I think so because if you look at one of the other shows that was a bit of a failure later on in the week well I say failure, failure it was down by 700 people it was headlined by Jay White Goto yeah and that seems to be the one that was furthest down out of any of the shows yeah. that week excluding the Dallas stuff which I imagine themselves are going horribly look, wrong that, that's in July we'll yeah. talk about that later on yeah, it doesn't sound like that's going well, but the attendances for these shows that have just occurred, the Jay White Goto one was the furthest down. Now, to me, when I saw Jay White Goto as the main event, I had no interest, absolutely no interest. I ain't got a lot of time in life, to be honest with you. Um, I haven't even started a new series of Game of Thrones yet. I'm behind on everything. I can't keep up with anything. Life is too busy, and there's no time in my life for Jay White and Goto. <laughs> JP, on the other hand, yeah. you somehow seem to make time for just about everything. <laughs> Not sure how, but Jay White Goto did find its way into your life, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I was recommending this by WH Parks. I watched this. I was like, okay. Um, it's not... It's not awful. I won't say anything like that. It's so run-of-the-mill. I mean, that was the thing I was taking away from this. It was like there was no drama there at all. It was completely expected that... um, What do you call it? It was completely expected that Jay White would win. But he's become a really generic heel. But he's... he was. Has he ever been anything but? Yeah. Well, no. At least, I think... At least in the build-up to the Okada Dome match, they were doing some things with him. But it's... Seriously. Would you describe it as non-generic, though? Oh, it was generic stuff. But he was a bit more kind of enthused about it. Here he's just sort of grown out of beard. Because to me, do you know what Jay White is? He's a better version of Baron Corbin. (laughs) That's brutal. But I'm equally bored by both of them as characters... Jay White can wrestle much better than Baron Corbin, mm-hmm. obviously. But in terms of what he does as a character, and in terms of what he does in his promos, I am so bored by He's... everything he says. Nothing to me still comes naturally in what he says. I don't believe what he says. I don't buy into him in any way at all. And Baron Corbin is Buddy Sue. He's the WWE equivalent. They're pushing. They give him this mega push, and they like him. I know Baron Corbin's not getting a mega push, but he's on TV constantly because he can. I don't know. Read he's lines tall. from a script and memorize them and do sixteen-minute segments. And he's tall. Yeah, there you go. So to me, there's a little bit of a comparison. Someone who's on people's TV screens don't want to see him. Jay White is in a lot of New Japan TV screens, and a lot of people don't want to see him. It's well. Mate, you're gonna. Ha- Have you seen his Dallas promo yet? No, <laughs> it's it's absolutely shite. He's doing cocky heel, and when you say about unorganic, it was just like ugh, not okay, very good. Let's think about great, great 
great heels. Mm. So think about Chris Jericho in 2008. Did you believe every word Chris Jericho yeah. said? Yeah. When Chris Jericho punched Shawn Michaels' girlfriend, wife, I should say, it was all believable, wasn't it? You bought it. Do you buy anything Jay White does? Do you buy that this guy is legit and he is this person? Not the minute. I mean, I, I often think back to the idea, imagine if you put Osprey into the Jay White position. We spoke imagine you put Osprey in the Jay White position and Jay White holding the Never title and battling around there would be... Uh, yeah. Would have suited out everyone. I wouldn't give Osprey that stupid character. No, God, no. Because to me... They the love a knife pervert, what can we say? But the other comparison I'd make to Jay White, you always hear Meltzer talking about how the Miz delivers these promos hmm. and he's good at doing it but it's man playing wrestler Jay White feels to me like he is playing this person he's trying to be he feels to me like when I was at school and he'd have like various mates of yours and they might like I was never part of the druggy crew at school school bunch of fuck ups and he'd have like various <laughs> mates who'd fuck off with the druggy crew be doing pills on a Friday evening sometimes doing pills and the cops at school you'd be like mate that's not you what's going on here What's going on with this? And then they'd be <laughs> acting and acting up and wouldn't be acting organic. Mm. And I look at Jay White and I think, you're like those 15-year-olds that I was mates with. You're like my mates who were in year 10 thinking, oh, this will be fun. i do a couple of pills at lunchtime and bugger off. And it wasn't you at all. That's what Jay White's doing. You also should have shown those lads from school some clips of Danny from Grange Hill, who OD'd in the back of that car. Was I don't remember by that. Mr. Bronson. Yeah. After Zamo. Was it after Z- I want to say it's after Zamo. Okay. Trusting my memory is a dangerous game. But Zamo seemed like a skaghead, let's be honest. He was, isn't he? He turned up in EastEnders as well. I think he's been cast. He's not turned up yet. He's not turned up. Okay. I'll yeah. keep it, keep an eye on that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't know where to go from. Yeah, Jay White. Uh, so you th- can there's a counter ex- when it comes to Jay White. It really does. You saw the counter exchange, the gif. I saw the gif of the counter exchange. Oh, yeah. It was just very slow. It was a bit oaky, wasn't it? It was. It was. Yeah. It was a bit... Having seen so many of these done at this intense level with this hot crowd, it was just like... It was just movement. Like, with, it's like performance. It's like dance. With Goto, I kind of wish the Noah relationships existed because yeah. someone like a Goto going off to Noah for a little bit would yeah. kind of be ideal to fresh them up and give them something to do. Because I just don't know what he's got to offer New Japan at this point. He feels very much like Kashida was to the junior division mm. for a good year or two, if anything. The time I'm most enthused about Goto is when he has a match at the Dome. Because his matches at the Dome always tend to be really good. Or when he had a match with Shibata, but unfortunately we're not going to get that yeah. again. Uh, it's, it makes you wonder, kind of character-wise, is there... Is there this level of change in him that happened with Anaito, where suddenly there's something that just connects and he and he goes on to it? I think he's I'm been not around sure he's capable long. of it. I think he's been around for too long. Yeah. I think I think he goes into a tag team. I think that's the best use of him at this point. In some ways, him and Ishii as a kind of killer tag team would possibly be a weight would would be some use for them. I mean, I was thinking about this in terms of the overall tag division. It'd be great if New Japan started putting some of the real mega tag teams together. They've got the potential. You actually get some really great use out of some of the upper upper card that aren't doing as much. 
I thought last year when you had um, the Golden Lovers having great matches mm. at various points. So think about the match of Akada Ishii, yeah. for example. Um, and then the match we saw in Rev Pro last year with mm. Akada Ishii against Suzuki and Zack. Mm. I always thought if you started teaming those guys a bit more regularly, you could do what All Japan kind of did in the 90s, yeah. where they made their tag belts that bit more valuable and they had some of the big hitters in tag teams having these really competitive tag mm. matches because that high-end tag stuff in New Japan outside of a tag division was mm. top top notch last year let's and not it, lie and it means the specialist tag teams actually get something from that and yeah. they're able the, the, you know they're able to look better because they're because they're a well-oiled machine and a unit and all the other kind of wrestling cliches about tag teams yeah alright Jim Cornette yeah <laughs> Anyway, did you watch anything else from these New Japan shows? A um, couple of really quick notes on there. Um, Lee Ishimori. Um, that was very good. As far as a title yeah. defence went, uh, I thought Dragon Lee looked awesome in this yeah. one. There's some really inventive stuff in there as We're well. We're going to go into the second match, obviously, that they, they've had as well. But the other one um, to mention very quickly was the, and I did mention it last time, I don't know if you saw it, you wouldn't have watched it, Taichi Jeff Cobb. I watched it. On your recommendation. How did you feel? I can't really remember it, if I'm honest with you. I think I was very tired when I oh, watched okay. it. And that wouldn't have helped, yeah. It was a match. It was just seeing Taichi do some stuff and actually look somewhat credible at times. And Cobb really trying hard because it was his, arguably one of his, his biggest match. Yeah, you probably say so. It's a bit annoying he lost. Yeah. And we've got to watch Taichi title defense, defenses now. But, yeah. Whereas Taichi... Ishii next okay well if anyone can get a good match out of Tai Chi That's you know it. Will Ospreay's done it uh, Ishii can sure as hell do it mm. so yeah that's a positive release and I think the last thing on New Japan is the fact that we I haven't seen day two yet time of recording it was it was on this morning I haven't had a chance to but day one of best of the super juniors oh I thought this was a really good start the best of the super juniors I think the one match that I was a little bit annoyed about was Marty and Gresham because I think Gresham should have probably been given a little bit more here, and Marty didn't really give him a great deal at all. Um, it was a bit of a nothing match in many ways. It was kind of your three-star special, mm. if anything. A couple of nice moments, I suppose, but it made me think that maybe New Japan don't really have any plans with Gresham. Maybe he's just there to make other numbers. I think what New Japan are going to end up doing with Gresham is is that he's going to have much better matches against much more motivated opponents. I kind of think it's the opponent on the night for this one, rather than it being a sort of indictment of or a lack of faith necessarily in, in Gresham. Yeah, I'm hoping it's Marty just fancying a, a bit of a night off, if anything, because I want to see, see Gresham prove himself. It's a shame because I remember Marty's first best Super Juniors match a couple of years ago. It was against Osprey. And Osprey gave him a hell of a lot and let him establish himself on night one. But look what they went on to do with Marty. They obviously had plans for Marty. I do wonder if, like I say, Gresham was there to make other numbers. I think <clears throat> the night did get better, though. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, Shingo Show is a match that I would say go out of your way for. This match is everything I love about wrestling. It's absolutely excellent match especially to kick the first night off. And it wasn't even the main event. Like This was a main event level match on any New Japan show. I think everyone needs to see this. And if we get a better match in Best of the Super Juniors this year, then we've seen something really, really special. 
because this was top level wrestling. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, kind of had it wasn't. It felt more like a heavyweight match than a junior match. Well, I think Shingo I mean, wrestled that way, and Shingo is a heavyweight. Shingo's a heavyweight. He is, and, and he's he's going to heavy at some point. But good. I'll... They're giving him. I hope to God they're giving him the mega. The what feels like a slowly drawn out, but ultimately will end up being a bit of a mega push. Yeah, and well, he's not lost a fool since he's been yeah. there. And that's obviously big and played into the story. Um, I have to admit, I didn't see as many of the show Takagi exchanges that had been um, on the, some of the undercars, but you were hearing these great things about how good this match was going to be. So when I knew this was night one, I was kind of looking forward to seeing it. And like you say, absolutely fucking delivered. Um, it's I like the new look for show. I like the fact he's got the new music. It differentiates him, and I don't want to hear that Rapongi 3K thing too much, but I think Yo's got that. And that's well, you know, they prefer uh, that duo. They are well, I don't know if you feel the same way. It's hard not to see show as being a top line star because not only is he great in the ring and he can and it's he's in there with Shingo, um, but he can hang with it with a Shingo. It's the fact that his um selling his charisma the chemistry him and shingo oh, had as well off the charts absolutely brilliant a real logic to everything particularly st- stuff that takagi did about wearing him down was fantastic the fact show working on his right arm so he couldn't do this and and you know shingo uh, shingo selling of that arm as well being oh, able to sort of tough it out fantastic um i look at show and it kind of makes me think of tanahashi to a degree, a very young, a much younger version, and obviously there'd be enormous boots to fill, but there is that kind of innate charisma to him, and he's a really good-looking guy, and that crowd were absolutely buzzing. They were massively into this, and I think that is sort of coming off the slow build of Shingo as this kind of Mm -hmm. megastar in that division, if anything, and the slow build of show is coming out of that tag team. Some division, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is at this point. But show coming into his own as well. And let's be honest, we need that um, Japanese uh, junior star who's going to be there for a while. And I think eventually that is going to be show. And I think last year they gave him a little bit. They had, he had that great match with Kushida. I think he had a really good match with Dragon Lee last year. He really proved himself as a single. Uh, the Shingo feud has been built very well. I watched the junior tag match that headlined one of the shows a couple of weeks ago between these two teams. The match was built incredibly well in that junior tag match. Some excellent exchanges mm-hmm. between the two. Commentary was really good in approaching the feud as well. And I think this was just, yeah, the sort of start of, not the start, but just kind of the first singles match during what is probably going to be an epic rivalry that spans over... Are possibly a number of years and possibly mm. a couple of different weight divisions as well. Now, what I loved about the match was that every single move in this meant something. Mm. It played an absolutely pivotal role in the outcome of the actual match. The psycho- the psychological approach here was sort of a really, really, really high level. I think you look at Ishii matches and you look how Ishii plays around with the laws of psychology... There was a little bit of that here as well. What I loved was the approach to show strikes. <clears throat> Shingo didn't no-sell them, but he'd be the first person up at times if they both went down after yeah. a strike exchange. Every time. 
and it sort of showed that Show had to up his strike game, yeah, but possibly resort to something else to do more damage. And All Show's without strike... going into the kind of the trope of this is a battle of respect. Respect. It yeah. wasn't playing into that. It wasn't at all. And what I liked was Show Strikes grew and got more powerful and did a bit more damage as the match went on. But he also realised he wasn't going to get him down for that long with that approach. So he changed it up and upped his submission game. Mm-hmm. So he got him down on the mat where he could avoid any strikes and he could possibly get Shingo to tap. But he also worked on his arm as well to try and take away some of that power and it's really simple but it's a really smart approach that had been established at an early point of the match and it had been built on as the match went on as well and the way that Shingo struggled in the armbar the way they worked that spot as well it was so simple but so effective Mm -hmm. someone squirming in that move someone staying in that move someone finding different ways to keep that move on Awesome, really good, really well established in commentary. But Shingo had mentioned previously that this was a weakness of his as well. And at one point, I was convinced he was tapping, and they could still say he hadn't lost a fall because he hadn't been pinned and he'd only tapped. And his weakness was that submission. Mm. But the actual ending sequence as well was absolutely amazing. We got a show win teased a couple of times here, but Shingo ultimately came out on top. But think how many jumping bombers yeah. took him to actually get him down and then think about the actual finish. I can't remember the name of the move that was the actual finish. I want to say the Ride of the Dragon or something, something along those lines. Something it's like, like that. Falcon Arrow, isn't it? I'm terrible with move names. Yeah. But at the same time, it was like his ultimate finisher mm. that he had to pull out to put Show away. And that was excellent because it just showed how great Show is, that he could survive that beating, but ultimately Shingo's a little bit more experienced and he's a much bigger ass kicker than he is. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got a theory on where they're going to go following this as well. Now, we've had this great match between the two of them. I want to see more of these guys. Do you? Yeah. But I don't know if I want to see more of them now. No, not for a while. I can wait a bit. And I've got a theory that Shingo's winning this. Yeah. And Shingo's going to hold that junior belt for a little while. I'm hoping he goes for the tournament undefeated. Mm. I think... He should probably beat Osprey in the final, and mm-hmm. Osprey should go off to heavy. But if Shingo holds that belt for a year, establishes the division more, and then you either have Sho beat Shingo at the Dome to end his reign, or you go back to this match and do it as the Super Juniors finally year's time, mm. and Sho finally wins after not being able to beat Shingo maybe in another title match between now and the next Super mm. Juniors, I think you make Sho... And you continue what's an epic feud and you move Shingo up to heavyweight in a year's time. And Shingo, when I watch him, something about him reminds me in a way of an Ishii. Mm. So he's maybe, you could argue that he's a little bit more athletic yeah. than Ishii, sort of naturally. It'd be the Dragon Gate influence, wouldn't it? Oh, completely, completely. And maybe to some extent a little bit more diverse than Ishii. But Ishii's, what, 43, 44? Yeah. He's got to break down at some point. Yeah. But I could so see... Shingo I, takes... I could see Shingo in the Ishii spot. I could see him as a sort of never champion, dominating that division, always having great matches in that position on the card, always delivering, being that kind of workhorse champion at that level. But te- 
we're talking a few years down the yeah, road. We are. But, but think of the way New Japan. Books. I was, I was going to say philosophy when it comes to booking. I don't think there's the ceiling on him that they view that they that they think there is with Ishii. No, but I, I think you got to remember Shingo's still 36 as well. Oh, he's 36. So yeah. They've got a limited amount. Okay. So how far do they want to push him where they want to go with him? I could see, give it a year, give it 18 months, him being in that kind of Ishii position. Yeah. Um, I don't, who knows what's going to happen to Ishii? He's still looking great at the moment. He might be great for the next five years and might carry on that role. But if there's anyone who's going to go and replace Ishii in that spot, mm. to me it looks like Shingo. Charisma as well off the chart. I think that's one yeah. thing that we haven't mentioned here. He's got crazy charisma. Yeah. And it's great seeing someone in that junior division have that level of charisma. For me, he's the appeal if, like, when you put, say, about LIJ coming to Manchester or Victoria, warehouse. Funny enough, it's seeing Shingo is much is as much the appeal for me, even though he's going to be at Royal Quest, hopefully, fingers crossed. Well, you'd hope him coming over for this Victoria warehouse show that he'd be in a singles match. Because I think... We've seen Naito before, we've seen Sonata, we've seen Evil over here. They just kind of bum it, yeah. let's be honest. They half arse it. I've never seen a great match of any of them when they've been over here. Mm. And, you know, it's always a shame. You always feel a little bit disappointed. You get to see the big stuff. At least you saw that at the G1 Supercard. You saw a great Naito match. I did see a great Naito match in Madison Square Garden. Saw a lot of shit around. <laughs> did see a great Naito match. It was good. Um, but at the same time you'd hope that Shingo is the kind of guy that would have his working boots on Yep. because he's got something to prove last time I saw Shingo in the UK was Ring of Honor in 2007 and him and Naruki Doi had an absolutely cracking match with the Briscoes great match that was Ring of Honor so I'm hoping Shingo could put in a similar performance to what he did in 2007 I wonder if he was that show up the roads in Oxford Shingo? yeah which one was that? The one at the Regal. Uh, the Dragon Gate. Yeah, he probably yeah. was. Probably was. Yeah, yeah. We'll have a look at the card later on. Um, if anyone was there, I know a few people who were there. Was Shingo on the Dragon Gate? I'm assuming he was. UK card that took place at the Regal. Um, I'm sure he was. We're two minutes from JP's house. Anyway, final of this of this show could not... Sorry, final? Main event Main of this event. show could not live up to that match. That match should have gone on last. Yeah. Champion or not, Dragon Lee Ishimori was not the main event of this show. And I think they really suffered in that main event slot. Didn't have a bad match, had a fine match. Yeah. But as a main event, it couldn't get to the heights that this match, all this rivalry and this feud that's gone on, and these layers of detail and these layers of psychology, couldn't get there. And I think they do need to maybe rethink occasionally what they're putting in a main event position and not go with the person with the belt. It makes sense, though, logically. You've got the, the champ versus the last kind of title rival. Why, on the, on the face of it, they would go along and do that? That they would, um, they would have that kind of... They would have a main event like that. So from a business perspective, I kind of understand why it's there. Um, it's just that it couldn't live up to this. That was, that was the issue. I was all spent after yeah. watching show Shingo. So watching this, I was like, yeah... I, this is good, there's some good stuff here, but I'm not with it. And it was a lot shorter as well, obviously, because it was, what, 26, 27 minutes show Shingo? Well, like... God, was it that long? Yeah. They were teasing at one point going 30 minutes, going to a draw. Yeah, I I do remember that now, but it Um, it did not feel like that at all. No, didn't feel like that in the slightest. I was, like, with it from the beginning to the very end. This one, I I wasn't really there. 
I think I might have given it 3.75 because it was a good match. It wasn't like it was a bad match. I think they're both great. Oh, it was a perfectly good match. And Dragon Lee is is brilliant. You can see the, how the guy is going to be like a really big. He's going to be a really big star over the next few years. It wasn't the four and a half stars of Show and Shingo. Though. That's it. Ultimately, that's the only reason why. Check it, it out. We might. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'll ever get round to watching it again, but. Yeah. So much other stuff in the meantime. Exactly. But talking of excellent matches, we had an excellent night watching some excellent matches yes. at York Hall on Friday night. Yes, we did. J- uh, any... Absolutely cracking night. So Rev Pro back at York Hall. Um, my mind has gone completely blank. What was the name of the show? Epic Encounter. Epic Encounter. God, mm. someone who's on the payroll. It's... it's shocking. Yeah, what's going on there? So, <laughs> so Epic Encounter, I thought was an interesting show. Yep. Looking at the lineup, mm-hmm. they weren't relying on New Japan or major imports to sell this one out. Mm. And that's a really interesting step for Rev Pro. And I'm wondering if that's something we're going to see a little bit more of, possibly. Although the next York Hall show is the day before the New Japan show at the Copper Box Arena. Mm-hmm. So I've got a feeling that's going to be loaded with New Japan talent. Mm-hmm. But this, to some extent, felt quite fresh as a York Hall show. Yes, it did. A little bit more low-key, undercard-wise. Mm-hmm. But I think the undercard was actually very enjoyable because it was that little bit more low-key. And there weren't huge expectations of that undercard. And they were a little bit more experimental with what they went yeah. with. And they gave a few guys some opportunities to shine. Yeah, they did. There was... Uh, I looked to the show as generally a, real, a positive step in the right direction. And... We've been very critical of big Rev Pro shows recently. And this one, because of the lower expectations, I think it was one of the, the shows where we walked in and, and I'm guessing it was a different configuration. There was a bit more room around the place, which was nice from a kind of uh, paying customer point of view. Um, it was, like you say, focused on the regulars. It didn't sell it out, but it felt like, and I'm going to guess it's about, Tops eight hundred. Yeah, it felt about seven eight hundred. Seven eight hundred in there about that. It felt a lot more fun and a bit more unpredictable. As a result, there wasn't stuff that I was like, I was like, okay, I went in there almost with more of an open mind. I wasn't burdened by high expectations with it. Um, it also, I mean, I think I described it to you as a cockpit show with two big matches on it. Effectively, do you know what it felt a little bit like and to me? I love cockpit shows. Yeah. But to me, it felt a little bit... It's the most a Rev Pro show to me. It felt like a progress ballroom show in terms of the atmosphere mm. and in terms of the variety that we got on the show and just the general good feeling around yeah. that night as well. I yeah. know that may be a weird thing to say. They're two very different companies in their approach. But I got a little bit of that sort of feeling you might get at a ballroom show two, three years ago, mm. if anything. And I'm absolutely fine with that because that's a feeling that... I kind of love if anything. Mm. Good amount. New ring announcer as well, who did a really good job. Such an upgrade. Slick Lombardo, his name is. Such an upgrade was old Slick. Slick. I think your man Dan is doing backstage stuff, doing backstage interviews. I think that's a really good move. I think Dan... They need someone doing that as well. No disrespect to the guy. He was making too many mistakes. He didn't feel like he was invested in the product necessarily. Old Slick... Is ring announcing, well, no pun intended, slick, would be the yeah. way to put it. He was on point for the night, I thought. He yeah. gave it more legitimacy. He wasn't a distraction. Mm-hmm. He didn't feel out of place. 
I think this is a real step in the right direction. He was the guy who was the ring announcer in New York. He was, yeah. yeah. I noticed straight away that it was him. I think as a card, mm-hmm. uh, the second match on the card. So we had the first match, which was a good match between the two contenders. Uh, That's when we arrived, wasn't it? We came in. Yeah. yeah. Gabriel Kidd and I can't think of the other guy's name. Brendan White. Brendan White, of course. Who's looked perfectly good. I saw this match at the cockpit mm-hmm. last month as well. Fine match for what it mm. was. Good to see the contenders getting a chance on these shows. I think taking that New Japan approach of doing this as the opener and getting them across as a couple of young fellas, I think people will support them, yeah. if anything. I think there's a really good step in the right direction. It, it, it just as a, as a sort of almost, it felt like more like a dark match yeah. than anything else, like a warm-up match. I'm fine with that. I'd like to see more of this yeah. opening shows in the future with the new contenders, if anything. We sort of kicked the night off properly, though, with Chris Brooks... Facing Artemis Spencer, a man I've yes. never seen before. Now, at this point, I mean, I've not seen um, any of the Super Strong Style yet. Like we said, we'll wait until we see all three episodes together. I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was this, great. This was, and, uh, you know, we give Chris Brooks grief over the um, some of the singles matches that, that he's had. This was one of the better ones, and I think it was particularly because Artemis Spence was on offence. Yeah, I think Chris Brooks' best singles matches that I've ever seen have always been Chris Brooks selling. Um, Apart from that Curtis Chapman one that we go on about. He gave Curtis Chapman a lot in that match as well, though. But yeah, I know know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But at the same time, there was a lot of Chris Brooks letting Artemis Spencer shine here and getting Artemis Spencer over. Yeah. And it worked. Some of Artemis Spencer's offence was awesome. Yeah. Really interesting really quite creative. He was super motivated. Like This was the first week that he'd mm. spent wrestling outside of the US and Canada. And I think he's really gotten over in that week or so. He got a really great reception of progress. He got please come back chance yep. at the end of this one. I think a really good booking and someone that I would like to see back after what he did here. I'd like to see him back in the cockpit as well. I mean, one of the things I get uh, understand as well is he can wrestle a lot more of a technical style. Um, he's Canadian, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's one of the, the sort of crop of northern Canadians um, wrestlers that we're starting to hear about more. I know Daniel Maccabee is one who, are, who had seen as well. I say northern Canada. I think he was northern, northern California, wasn't he, Maccabee? No, no, Daniel, Daniel Maccabee. Yeah, I thought Canadian. he was, I thought, For some reason, I thought he was from Northern... I thought he was from Thatcher's neck of the woods. I don't know why no, I thought that. I think he's Canadian. Well, ELP headlined this show. Yep. He was from that scene as well. Exactly. So, interesting approach. Hey, look, I mean, I've always been a big fan of... Think of how many Canadian wrestlers you've liked throughout our career. It's not really somewhat of a surprise in some ways that there'd be this, this kind of little bit of talent. And do you know what? He feels fresh. Do you know what that, Canada does well? Wrestlers and comedians. Which comedians? Jim Carrey and John Candy. <laughs> Rick Moranis. Comedian actors, I would say. <laughs> I, I was going to move on quickly because yeah. um, I've run out of time. Oh, yeah. And I want to get to bed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next match that we saw was well, I saw this one set up at the cockpit a couple of weeks ago where we had Kurt, oh, sorry, Dan McGee and Shah Samuels mm. in a street fight. Which was interesting, to say the least. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a right laugh. I don't know if it was intended to be a laugh at points. Curtis Chapman came out dressed as a 12-year-old boy at one point in time, which didn't really help things. 
But it was a lot of fun, and they set mm. this tag match up there. So I was really happy to see McGee back on a back at a York Hall show. Yep. I think he should have been on these regularly for some time. I don't know really what someone like an Angelico or a Besties in the World have added to these York Hall cards that a McGee wouldn't add. especially side yeah, yeah, we'll go on to that. Mm. Especially probably without motivated. Someone, like, someone in his position is, if anything. And for what this was, this was thoroughly enjoyable. As a kick around the arena brawl, beat the shit out of one another, do some crazy stuff, get it over. I thought this was awesome. Yeah. It was really good fun, really enjoyable. I mean, I think when he said about it turning into the comedy, he was mugging it up. Um, I was speaking to Joe Affleck and he came over with him sort of during the match and all the rest of it. He was, you know, Shar Char Samuels was in prime York Hall Shar Samuels form. And he's really good to watch on these cards. He gets the crowd going. The crowd enjoys seeing him. Shar Samuels is one of the most entertaining wrestlers I've ever seen yeah. in a live environment. I yeah. do not get bored of seeing him. And I'd like to see more of this tag team with him and Bodum. Now, for me, it uh, feels like a bit of a step back for Bodum to some degree. And it feels like this is Bodum's ceiling. It feels like Bodum is not really going to be pushed beyond this at this point. And Bodum's kind of win-loss record seems very inconsistent, a bit shoddy. I like him in the tag team. I'd love. I think Bodum could do so much more, but at the same time, obviously, you hear things about Josh Bodum, and you wonder: is this a kind of a safe bet? Keep him here, give him his place in the card. And as a team, as an odd couple, they do kind of work quite well together. Yeah, they do. And I've seen we've seen Bodum in a couple of teams. Remember his team with Zach Gibson. Oh, that was great. And they were, they were absolutely great fun and he kind of really played well into it. I don't want to see him become comedy necessarily. I don't... I think the kind of almost Char accidental comedy... always going to lean into comedy. He always is, and it's as he should do. I think with Bodum, there's kind of elements you can do it but still stay true to his character and who he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as long as you're able to find that fine line, then you're fine. As now, long as he doesn't get silly. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Now, Shah tapped out Curtis Chapman in this one, mm -hmm. and he beat McGee the week before at the cockpit, and he called out Suzuki. Now, he faced Suzuki in Portsmouth on Sunday and lost. That's a match that I will be checking out at some point. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about that one next week. But I think this is a match that I'd consider doing a rematch with at a York Hall show, because mm -hmm. he got over on the night. Yeah. And I think that a McGee and Curtis win would possibly get over that a little bit more. They went into the bar, didn't they, as well? They did, they? Yeah. yeah. Like I said, all around the arena brawl. Yeah. But McGee and Curtis as a tag team, something I'd maybe like to see a little bit more of as well. Mm -hmm. I think they might help one another get over that little bit more. Um, I think it gives them maybe more of an opportunity on these York Hall shows to get over if they're a team as well. I know Curtis Chapman struggled a little bit since initially getting over, so mm -hmm. maybe it's a chance for them to kind of rebuild themselves and get one another over together, possibly. Yeah, yeah, I'd be, be all in for that. Next match was one that I, I understand the booking of it. It's Matt Seidel against A Kid. Now, here it seemed like the plan was. Well, A-Kid, we're building up as a singles guy. He's well, He's been great across Europe, yeah. really, this past year. Matt Seidel did wonders for Will Ospreay's career in Rev Pro four mm. years ago when they had that two out of three Fools match in June of 2015. 
and Will Ospreay kind of took off from there and was seen as a kind of a legit deal at that point in time. I think he got his New Japan bookings. Well, I know it was the Okada match ultimately, mm. but I remember hearing something about New Japan seeing that match as well. Now it felt like the intention here was to get the same for a kid. Now I thought that this match was a real letdown, if I'm honest. It was dull. It was really dull. I think that maybe Matt Seidel's kind of influence and place in Rev Pro is maybe a little bit overfought and mm-hmm. overrated because I don't f- actually think people are that into him as this kind of historical figure in the company. And uh, to me, when I saw him announce for it, I thought, and I get the thinking behind this, but what is Matt Seidel really bringing in 2019? Mm. I mean, he goes over in this match as well, which makes me think there's going to be a rematch between the two of them at some point. It's not a match I'm going to be excited for no. based on this. I was, I was disappointed. Um, yeah. I wanted to see A-Kid make a big splash. In 2015-16, I think Matt Seidel was probably the right opponent. At this point in time, I really don't think he was. No. Um, we were talking about a few minutes ago, it, it does seem that when he lost the New Japan bookings... And effectively, kind of ruled out Japan as a place to go to. Motivations levels went becomes the person he reminds me of is John Morrison. Yeah, they're in that sort of generation of wrestlers that, that now feel like they were the previous generation of yes. kind of a, a talent, if anything. And they haven't kind of reinvented themselves. Yeah. They've not kind of freshened themselves up a little bit. So to me, they feel like a bit of an irrelevance. I don't get excited to see them. And yeah, Seidel falls into that, and I, I, there's nothing else I've really got to say about the match. I was a bit, no. bit of a show about the, the the end, but he also beat Bodum clean in Portsmouth on Sunday. Yeah. Seidel, so it makes me think that they're going to bring Seidel back. Maybe he's going to get a few regular bookings over here, possibly. Yeah, maybe, but he'll have to step it up. Yeah, he'll have to. Yeah, like if he comes in thinking I'm Matt Seidel, I used to be Evan Bourne, then there's no that's not needed it's not helpful it's not helping anyone yeah I, I'm with you I'm not sure what his value is at this point to be honest next match after this was quite uh, again I was talking about the show being refreshing mm. and I was quite happy to see this one on the card because it did very much feel like the let's give these guys a go on York Hall match um, but at the same time it was nice to see them on a York Hall mm. so Rob Lias uh, what was the match? Sorry, it was TK Cooper, the Ojmo or Michael Oku, uh, Irie and Carlos Romo with Rob Lias inserting himself in the match as well after taking out Kip Sabian backstage apparently. Yeah. So yeah, interesting approach there. But I thought this was a thoroughly enjoyable match as far as just a post intermission, go out there and hit all your big spots, get over. Yeah, and have a good time sort of match. And it worked for the crowd. The crowd were into this. Like, this is a, the sort of match I'd be far more open to seeing on this show again. Well, it kind of... The, the, there were points of it, because TK Cooper was taken out for kind of a large proportion of the match, where it was a, a four-way. And it was kind of slower as a result. It wasn't just sort of high spot, high spot, high spot, high spot. It kind of built around where you had sort of Irie as the base, Lias there for the comedy. You had um, uh, Romo and Oku sort of being able to bump and do sort of more aerial stuff as well. 
and a shout out for Michael Oku, someone who's really starting to see improving and, and getting onto a few more shows, like in that sort of tier of guys that you're hoping over the next sort of couple of years get to just work the UK in these and develop the craft. I think the best choice he made was coming over to Rev Pro. It's good to see him here and it's good to see someone take a bit of a gamble. I always rant about those guys who trust too much in progress as a promotion, the DNR guys ideally. And Oku has kind of gone, where are these guys getting? And he's come over to Rev Pro, and I think he's improved as a wrestler. And he's got some natural charisma as well. And it was good to see him on this show. He's getting some big opportunities in New York. He got on that New York show as well. For a man of his age and his experience level, he's had a good year so far. And he's yeah. had good matches at cockpit shows as well. So all power to him. Good to see Rob Lias back as well. Um, he's been someone who's been a sort of a, well, he's not been around regularly for the last year or so, and it's good to see him back on a York Hall show. It's good to see him being featured in Rev Pro regularly again. He's got something to give, and I think even Irie was excellent in this match as well. Mm. The one moment in the match that stood out to me was his pounce on Michael Oku, yeah. where Michael Oku went flying over the ropes. Was that the second time in a week he took that bump? Who, Michael Oku? Oku, yeah. Yeah, because he had a really, really fun match with uh, Irie at the cockpit. He bumps like a champ. As well. He really can bump like a champ. And, yeah, he's getting himself over even more gradually with it, but good on him. TK Cooper's someone that Rev Prime is starting to book a bit more regularly as well. He's still looking like a bit of a geek, but hopefully there's a long-term story <laughs> that this might play into. I know Progress uh, apparently had a long-term story for, that they were playing uh, into last year, didn't they, as TK Cooper told you. That didn't happen. But let's hope our boys in Rev Pro could uh, give TK something because he's, being f- he's a man of immense talent and I want to I see something from him. I think that's where we always come from on him, is that we like him. There is something there and I want to see some more from him and it just sort of you want to see him booked in better play. You want to see him booked in places on better positions on the card because you know that he's a talented guy. There are at least, I think, there's at least sort of singles character development going on, if nothing else, in the case of this match, and maybe setting up matches that he'll be having with Rob Lias on the undercards of a few places, trying to get the kind of wins and move up the move move up the card. Quite possibly. Let's, mm. honestly, let's yeah. hope so. So, next match was one of our first, well, it felt like a double main event, really, didn't it? Yeah. This show. And it was the match that we had our only New Japan talent in as well. In Minoru Suzuki, along with Zack Sabre Jr., defending their tag belts against Aussie Open. So, rematch of the match we saw in mm-hmm. November. Um, oh God, I forgot the name of the November show. That's really bad, but whatever. Yeah. It, it was a York All show that happened yeah. in November. And I thought that was a great match back in November. I think one of the things that really stood out to me in that match was Zach bumping double for Aussie Open because Suzuki wasn't doing a lot of bumping in that. Yeah. But at the same time, the dynamic completely worked. And it almost felt like that was the proving ground for Aussie Open. And they had an excellent match with Zach and Suzuki on that night. Mm. But this match felt like, I don't know, it really felt to me like they made it. If anything, they felt like made yes. guys after going over Suzuki and Zach clean. Think of who Suzuki and, and Zach have beaten. What did they beat? They beat Moustache Mountain for the belts originally. 
and they've sort of been over CCK, they've been over Aussie Open before. I'm trying to think of who else they defended against. against uh, I'm trying to think as well. Um, why is my mind should have looked blank? this up shouldn't we beforehand I can't do it now it's late as well listeners so my, my our brains aren't quite working football's taken out of me mate it really has isn't it um, but no I agree with you it, it felt like they were made guys that's that's kind of where it was this was like rather like the, the ladder match in progress that Aussie Open had this was the match that made them and you've now got them as WXW tag champs um, progress champs and Rev Pro champs that says a lot about the investment. I mean, in, in terms of where they are as a tag team at this point in time in in Europe. Yeah, they're kind they of are, the tag team, aren't they? They are on the indie scene at the moment. Yeah. And, and bar that blip against CCK and that match that we saw at your call, I don't put that on the Aussies. No, but at this point, like they, they've really come out sort of all guns blazing, particularly after Mania. They had something to prove, I think, at your mm. call because they got themselves over so much. Well, they were over anyway, but they established themselves at that kind of higher level in the yeah. last Zack Suzuki match. I mean, had that CCK flop, if anything. Mm-hmm. And you think they've had killer matches with the Chosen Bros at York Hall. Yeah. Um, they had the good a good match against White Wolf that you saw at the cockpit recently. Well, yeah, yeah. But they did that good match with CCK at York yeah. Hall as well oh, previously. Yeah, of and that was just a blip. And now. I don't. I can't see there being blips. I can't. I can only see these guys going all out on these big shows and trying to make the most of these opportunities as well. Look, we know that Carl Fletcher is on New Japan's radar. Mm-hmm. We know what a big fan Tanahashi is of him. He's got something to prove. He's young. How good is he for a guy? Is he twenty one? Twenty two? I don't even know if he's twenty one. He's insanely young. Yes. And how good is he as a wrestler? Yeah. We've raved so much about Tyler Bate. Kyle Fletcher is Tyler Bates exceptional. Yeah, Kyle Fletcher is one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen at twenty years old. Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. and as a dynamic as well, they're a likable dynamic. They're a likable duo. There were there were things about this match, like you say, that it, it felt like everything sort of fell into place perfectly for them, and even the way that the, the sort of finish worked in um, this match. I mean, it even had some comedy in the middle, which is strange with sort of Roberts and Suzuki carrying on their ongoing interactions with the chair and, and all the rest of it, and Suzuki changing after him. But then it just sort of got back on track. It didn't really lose where it was. Um, and the way the finish was set up by kind of taking out Suzuki in order to hit the fidget spinner on um, on Zach. Zach, and then a Davis pin Zach as well, which we were then theorising you could do a a cockpit title defence against Davis. I think they might even go for a bigger show than that. They might go for one of their shows in a a sort of another town around the UK that they might be able to attract some punters coming in for that sort of match as well, possibly. So it's a good match to set up. Uh, Yeah. Good good sort of uh, in-between title defence, if anything, that will be an entertaining match, I'm sure. Um, I think the other thing as well, the crowd were desperate to see Aussie Open win this, weren't they? Yeah, I completely lost my shit when they won. I was—I don't know about you. I was—I jumped up. I was like, "Get in!" Because it was something that had been a long time coming. We wanted to see that title on someone who was going to be there on a regular basis. Well, I think the, the thing and is, you didn't have the politics of booking kind of possibly coming into it. Well, the tag scene has been very good in Rev Pro. Yes, for the last year or so, without the belts there, and it's been very good on the cockpit shows and some of the smaller shows. 
that's never really made its way onto the York Hall shows. I'm yeah. hoping now a little bit more of this seeps onto the York Hall shows and we're seeing Aussie Open defending these well, belts. tag teams. Well, yeah. One thing they have is, is a lot of tag teams. And they bring tag teams in as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'd like to see something like the Arrows of Hungry come back. Yep. Mate, I'd even have to see two Unlimited come back. I was all right. Yeah, I would mind seeing them back. Yeah. Be well all right with that. Well, a couple of Irish lads. Yeah, exactly. They Johnny were and Jody. Saw them in that. Yeah, Johnny and Jody against Aussie Oak. A couple of lads from North London. Ticking all the JP boxes. Ticking it really they? is. Yeah. See, get it. If you're triple threat, then I'm away because you know the way I sort of follow Australian sport as well. Ticking who, all those three. Who would up. you be cheering on? Um, got to be two unlimited, hasn't it? Oh, you think so? I've got the passport there in one hand, but then Johnny and Jody with those London roots. Yeah, but then when you hear no, 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 <laughs> oh. we know which way you'll be going. <laughs> Probably will do. I'm a tart. I'll cheer all three. <sighs> a tart indeed. Anyway, should we yeah. talk about the ladder match? Uh, yes, that was. I, I. I mean, I loved this. I, although. I have to say, you made the wise decision. You went upstairs at the very beginning of this one. You realised early on that there was a lot of stuff. Cause it all sort of happened from the outside. There wasn't a lot of stuff that you were able to see from where we were. We were stood at the back, which is quite novel that we were able to stand there with a lot of space around us. It was lovely. No hassle from security either. I, it's amazing what happens when they don't quite sell out the place. The security just sort of lower their guard a bit. It's lovely. Um, so... The first few minutes I was there and then I thought, well, okay, I'm going to need to see this. So I ended up going upstairs to watch it with you. Um, and I loved it. It was great. It was wild. It was it was de- uh, Davy Deathmatch, as he <laughs> to call himself, is what it was. Did the did a blade job and everything. You wondered why he was wearing those salmon-coloured jeans, weren't we? And Yeah, and we found out. We found out. He was like a proper... Probably like st- more of a street fight than a ladder match. Well, it wasn't a ladder match in the sense of like a, I don't know, a Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon yes. style ladder match or a ladder match between two high flyers. It was a ladder match between two guys who wanted to beat the shit out of each other. Yes. And do some kind of crazy-ish stuff at the same time. Yeah. There was a more sort of psychological approach to it as well. And there was a sort of, the way they said the story was, Alpha Tasma as the underdog mm. points of this as well which I thought was a really good approach and it worked on the night Stars over massively over I don't know if yeah. there's anyone more over on the UK independence scene at the moment between Ireland Europe well let's just say Europe in general he feels like he is the wrestler of the moment he really does it feels mm. like he's peaking right now to me there's a bit of a CM Punk sort of feel about it yeah. if anything um, I think he's a similar sort of wrestler as well. I think he's his finger on the zeitgeist of wrestling fans as well. That's really, really important. He he understands, and you look at the independent brand that he's managed to set up with um, James Muscle White. I mean, they're on to something. And do you know what? Like you could say, well, there's an. You'd worry whether or not there's an element of kind of like faking it or just taking advantage of it spoke to him enough times this is very much who he is and yeah. unashamedly who he is and he knows how to use it and he knows how wrestling fans are feeling and he taps into it and you know all of that was able to make me buy an independent shirt and me yeah. and, and the last time I bought a wrestling shirt was over a year ago so <laughs> David Starr knows how, yeah. knows how to get even the most cynical of customers on board let's just say um, going back to it mm. as a match, 
it felt like a bit of an epic, I thought. Mm-hmm. One of the first things that struck me when I walked in the building was the setup of the arena, or of your call. I liked how they had the ladders on the on the, on um, the entranceway. Yep. I thought that was really cool. It gave gave it sort of presence, made it feel like a big show, made yep. it stand out from the usual show as well. And it felt it it was very much a two match show, if anything. Mm. But this very much did feel like the main event, and it felt like the match that people were most excited for yep. on the night. And I think El Fantasmo has come leaps and bounds. The fact he's able to now main event a York Hall show. Two years since mm-hmm. being over here. I think it's just less than two years, you know. But he looked completely comfortable. He looked kind of in his element. And this was a week, uh, less than a week after his New Japan debut as well. I think the man's confidence is kind of through the roof mm-hmm. at the moment. He was definitely a lot more focused. And it wasn't the fear I'd had that he might decide this is a showcase for sort of El Fantasmo moves. And that really wasn't the case. It could have easily become that. It could have done. Yeah. And there was a that was the only fear that I had that this becomes an exhibition. I think he it's like you say, he is a performer and the amount he has grown since he has been over yeah. here as well. Um but you know, you've got someone like Star as well who's gonna keep the intensity levels up and that's the thing that he needed to go through. For me, you think of all of the sort of matches that Phantasma had. They all fell building up to this match and this moment, yeah. and it it delivered, and he needed it to deliver for everyone. Plus, he has the added bonus of freeing up David Starr to be in the heavyweight title scene, yeah. and that's where he needs to be. And I'd be really thinking of putting that belt on him soon yeah, I think enough I as well. Would, I think I would down the road, definitely. I think the mm-hmm. slow burn of Phantasma getting to this point as well. Mm-hmm. So I think his first York Hall show was in, I think it was December of 2017. Mm-hmm. I think he was in the five-man that they did on that show where Curtis Chapman won the belt. But on every York Hall show he's been on, he's got a little bit more over. And his matches have delivered on big shows. Do you remember that four-way in Manchester on the mm-hmm. New Japan show last year? He was the guy who was arguably most over in that match, but also on that show, of anyone outside of the main New Japan guys, he was getting the biggest reactions of anyone. And that was through sheer hard work and stunning spots. Mm. But he's he's kind of used those spots to get over while developing a more kind of diverse persona and kind of, how can I put it, diverse ability to wrestle different types of matches now mm. and I think Star has been pivotal in helping him improve as a wrestler as well because they've had lots of singles I've had three singles matches I think in Rev mm-hmm. Pro along uh, with this guy in there as well now and I think the Star matches have been really pivotal to his development as a wrestler and the long term storytelling is probably the first long term story he's ever been involved in in mm. his wrestling career I think in this country Rev Pro are the only company we've really invested in yeah. And what it's proven is, if you can get over in Rev Pro, and they really want to invest in you, and you can prove yourself in Rev Pro, you can get that New Japan deal. Yeah. And look at New Japan, put him in the Bullet Club straight away as well. Mm. And he had a really, he was cracking in that tag that he had with, um, I think it was him and Robbie Eagles against, who was it, Osprey and, I can't remember. Yeah, I watched the match. It was yeah. a fun match. He looked fun good match. in the match. He well. looked good in the match, which is the thing I was looking out for. And yeah, long may it continue. Long may it continue indeed. The last point I wanted to add as well mm. was the psychological approach here. Um, oh, actually, there was another point I wanted to add. Mm. I'll add this one first. What I love was this was the culmination 
of a story as well. Mm. And the story involved Chris Roberts. Yes. It involved Shay Purser. And it all came together. That was tremendous. Yeah. That was... That worked so much better than he had any right to do. What, one of the best things I think Andy Quilden has ever done as a booker is go to an attack show that Chris Roberts wrestled on against Shea Purser in December 2017. Because clearly that night he went, right, <laughs> I want to do something with this at some point. And it felt like a kind of callback to that in a way, but it was kind of in this kind of epic story. And it was hilarious, and I was absolutely loving it. But it didn't distract from the match. No, because it kind of happened sort of, in, I say incidentally to it, it allowed the wrestlers to have enough of a break without it being overextended. And then they pretty quickly went back up onto the stage and started sort of fighting to the back. And that was that was great. It, I loved this. I was, I was so into uh, when Shaper's coming. He's, he's fantastic. Oh, he's great. Roberts is great as well. If Roberts is great. Give Roberts his due. Yeah. Roberts, he... No, we all boo him. But the, like, I don't. No, never he, have, never will. No, I don't join in on that, actually. <laughs> but he is, he's genuinely brilliant. Like, oh, he yeah. is. The way that he he played his role here, it was just fantastic. Chris Roberts is like a Welsh school teacher. You can imagine him at the front of a class. He reminds me of the teacher in Kez a little bit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I think I know, yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit of that in Chris Roberts. Anyway. <laughs> Brian Glover. That's the one. He was a wrestler as well. He was, and he was an Anglian three. Was he? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. He's that. like the head of the prison planet, and then he gets he gets killed quite early on. It's a strange film, Anglian three. Perhaps Chris Roberts could find himself working with David Fincher at some point. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, last point I was going to make. The lo- other thing I loved about this was how brutal it was. Mm. I do wish, to some extent, there was maybe a little bit more flashy Phantasmo. Only a little bit, mm. but. The brutal spots worked as a place well. They didn't overdo them. But at the same time, this proved to me how effective psychology is and how much I hate deathmatch wrestling. And how when done subtly mm. and not done as like, well, cut the beers, get a lemon juice there, a few paper cuts, mate, <laughs> Oi, up the lads. Deathmatch. Get the lemon juice well, out. Well, this sort of psychological approach can work, mm. can get over and can make people invest. I, I, I'm so glad that Rev Pro don't just do random death matches. You ever do, did a garbage kind of match with the Shah Samuels tag match in the ma- earlier in the night? Mm. But we don't need to gush blood like Paul Robinson and Jimmy Abbott did at Super Strong Style just for a laugh. Mm. Like, you're leaving, mate. Right, should we bleed? <laughs> yeah. Let's go to hospital. Like, some people go to the pub to say goodbye. They are fucking hospital. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I hate death matches <laughs> as much as I hate Jay White. <laughs> anything else to add on this JP it is one slight thing um, and it does have to be raised uh, this would have been the perfect show to have a women's match on I think the women's match argument they need to get that belt over more and yes. uh, the belt needs to be on the shows more consistently yeah, yeah. definitely definitely that's all Zoe Lucas taking to social media telling people that you know about playing very much into the character of she'll wrestle when she wants to wrestle but ultimately it would have been a really good night because I think there was enough goodwill perhaps from the crowd where you could have done something in there perhaps even just sort of even have a sprint just something different to throw in there I think there would have been a lot on that night because I think a lot of that night was about 
it's about rebuilding that roster. Yeah. And this show went a long way. Well, it certainly went a, a good bit to helping do that. Yeah. And kind of get a few more people over, a few newer people, people having better matches than we expected to. You know, it was long like may a feel-good show. It was a feel-good show. Yeah. Yeah. I had a great night. That's yeah. all I'll say for this one. Yeah. I had a cracking night. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. I mean, we unexpectedly ended up going out and getting shit-faced afterwards, and it was a it was a cracking way to top off a night like this. <laughs> yeah, I remember very little of the uh, yeah. night following. I think uh, only Will show. Cooling can quite remember, but there we go. Made my brother and Kieran yeah. as well, but yeah. Anyway, um, last thing I think we wanted to talk about briefly was uh, we should probably mention the death of Silver King yes. in tragic circumstances on the weekend um, in London. Um, JP, mm. any Silver King memories at all? I, to be honest with you, not many. I mean, I kind of remember him being on WCW, but not sort of necessarily enough to stand out. There's a lot of sort of read and heard about this week about how good he was, and about how a lot of people who were really big fans of him. And um, obviously, it's tragic. I know there's a video out there, but I'm not the kind of ghoulish person who wants to see videos of people dying. And I would recommend no one to be out there watching it. So. To a certain degree, I know there's been a lot of there's been some there's been criticism levelled in terms of the the CPR and the, the the response to him when he collapsed. I haven't seen the video and I, and I never will. Yeah, I won't be so, watching that either. To a degree, I don't quite know what happened. Other than it was tragic, I, I got the impression it was a stroke followed by a yeah, heart attack yeah, straight was, away. Look, I don't like watching death matches. I've just had a rant about that. I'm yes. going to watch an actual death. Yeah, that's for sure. I think ugh, this is awful. I mean, my memories are very much the same as a WCW. Mm. My biggest take from this is going to be the fact that Max Branning was sat in the front row. Have you seen the front page of a Daily Star from yesterday? Ender's Jake, wrestler died in front of me. Actors ringside horror. If Max Branning is into wrestling, Max... You're from North London. Yeah. It's not much of a jaunt. He's an Arsenal fan as He's well. He's a massive Arsenal fan. Yeah. His best friends are Gary Lineker. It's not much of a jaunt over to York Hall. Get down the next Rev Pro show. Yeah. Make up for this one. Get a much better quality of product. And if he's available, bring Gowie as well. Because I'd love to see Lineker in the front row at York Hall. <laughs> yeah, that's... Here, here. Definitely do that. <laughs> should we leave it there? We should do. Um... <laughs> Yeah, just, I suppose. We'll be back maybe on the weekend, possibly? I think we'll be, yeah, hopefully back. Uh, we'll be back uh, when Super Strong Star's been released in full and we've that's had a chance basically to, it. That's kind of what we're waiting on at this point. To slog our way through that epic that doesn't want to be released yet. But hey, whoever's editing that, hurry up. <laughs> Till next time. Yeah, you can find me on... Uh, Twitter at JPGP. You can also follow both of us on Grapple. You're at Lemsip on Grapple. Um, so you can see your ratings and JPGP for me. And Benny Ben there. Can't even say his name. He's not in for one night. It's shocking. And you can follow Benno at Benson Richard E. What was that noise? I don't know. I just, I think. <laughs> I've I, never heard I you just, make a noise like that. It's very weird. I'm so, so tired at this point. You it's, go get your head down, mate. I think I need to. Okay. Story of my life. We're off to the land and nod. See you later. <laughs> Bye.